Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's Chase and Josh of Factor Fantasy. As you know, that's Chase. I'm Josh, and we're here to give you part 10 of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, where today we will detail and highlight the key differences between the novel and the film. And if you've been following us since the beginning of the arc, you'll know that today is our final episode encompassing everything of the series. Next week, we will give you a rankings episode, but today, it all comes to a close. What does it, it say? I open at the close. Well, this show opens at the close of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. So we're really excited to take you through that. After today, we only got one more episode left, not only in the Harry Potter arc. And it's kind of like a, a, you know its own episode to the side. It's rankings, right? But also right. in our first season as well. So we got a lot of great stuff ahead of us. I hope you guys can buckle up, get your uh, seatbelts ready, because Chase and I are going to go off the rails on this one, because we had some big problems. We had a little bit of cool moments, and then there was just <laughs> a little bit. So yeah. uh, we're really excited to bring this to you. Before we jump right on into it, I'll go ahead and let Chase uh, say his piece there. I guess you know, what I can do, since it's the very last episode that we'll do covering the, the contents of the films and novels here, uh, I will say that my... My visuals, for those who are watching on YouTube, hasn't changed a bit. It's just we have finally gotten to what you see right here on this side. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. We're covering that today. Everything else, same thing. Harry Potter and the unofficial book of spells. Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows is a novel. Harry Potter himself, the Funko Pop, just chilling there alone because he is the only one left uh, on our end. And we're going to see if he makes it or not today in the film since they changed the whole storyline on us. Who knows? Maybe they decided just to say fuck it and pull him <laughs> off. We're gonna, we'll get in there and Who figure knows, it out man. here, right? But <laughs> <Who knows? laughs> with that being said, I'll turn it over to Chase, let him say his piece, and we'll get rolling into some of these differences. Yeah. Um, everything's the same on my end. We are at the very end here, and I had my hopes up, as I usually do. And uh, let's just say I really need this malice in the chalice today. going to really need that. And uh, like you said, it all opens at the close after all this time. After all this time. Always. Always. Uh, the, you know, I felt like in this film, it was every time they did something cool, they shot themselves in the foot, which is really sad to say. But we'll get all into that today. And I'll let Jay Nelly go ahead and kick us off. So let's get a malice in the chalice. We know we're going to need it today, Jay Nelly. Yeah, you got it, brother. Cheers to you. Cheers to me. The Cheers, best of friends brother. will always be. If by chance you disagree, then fuck you. Here's to me. <laughs> people sail ships. People sink ships. No ships like best fucking friendships, man. All right. So usually, guys, with these episodes, not just not the differences once. That's kind of what I'm detailing here is that I'm not going to go through a recap, right? We've already finished the contents of the mm -hmm. book. Now we just got to go through and see how it stacks up against the film so that being said we'll kind of do this how we always do it i'll take a few differences chase will take a few and we'll work our way through it until we get to the very end so to start us off you know harry in the books he talks to grip hook before voldemort gets the elder wand i mean that's really important because harry had to make that split second decision on whether to talk to ollivander or grip hook first and that choice made the difference between chasing Horcruxes or Hallows. 
So in the movie, Voldemort already has the Elder Wand at this time before Harry talks to anybody. So the choice is taken out of his hands. That's a huge problem. You can't fuck that up, man. It's like we're starting already, the very first scene, on just uh, complete stupidity. Like, read the book one time, guys. Now, going by, <laughs> past that, in the book, earlier before Griphook was captured, he, Dean, Gornuk, Dirk Cresswell, and Ted Tonks showed up near where Harry, Ron, and Hermione were camping. And using extendable ears, they overheard Griphook telling the story of how the sword Snape sent to Green Gods was a fake. So they already knew why Bellatrix thought it should be in her vault. In the movie, however, Harry asked Griphook, uh, why does Bellatrix think this sword should be in her vault? And he says, it's complicated. But, like, if it followed the book sequence, he would have already known the answer to that question. We didn't even need it to show up. Save that budget for something else that you could have put in and missed because you always miss something. So, anyways, going uh, here to page 498 in the novel. This is just what I wanted to detail real quick. So if you guys want to turn with me to page 498 in the novel, that is chapter... 24, about halfway through the page, Harry asks Ollivander what he knows about the Deathly Hallows. And Ollivander says, quote, I'm afraid I don't know what you're talking about. Is this still <laughs> something to do with wands? And Harry looked into the sunken face and believed that Ollivander was not acting. He did not know about the Hallows. So why in the world did the movie make him know about the Hallows? <laughs> well, I don't He's understand. Like, oh, yes. I don't of understand. Of course I know about that. Oh it my been goodness! Seen in centuries. <laughs> it's it's a direct contradiction from the book to the film. I don't understand why you feel the need to do that. He didn't know about them. Why make him seem like he knows about them? Oh, it makes no sense. And then two more, and I'll turn it over to Chase. <laughs> Apparently, the film decided it was not important for Lupin to arrive at Shell Cottage to tell him that his son was born and name Harry the Godfather. Apparently, the movie said, no, fuck that. We don't need it. <laughs> That's totally cool. <laughs> and then the last one, and I'll turn it over to Chase after this, is in the movie, Hermione describes as Bellatrix never walks with the other Death Eater, Travers, to Gringotts, or goes through the probity probes. She just goes right up to the counter in the movie. Like, no security there, no Travers almost blowing her cover from saying, hey, aren't you supposed to be under punishment at Malfoy Manor? Like, none of that goes in there. It's just, yep, smooth sailing right to Gringotts. So those uh, are the first five that I have. I'm already disappointed as fuck, so how about you go ahead and take the next few and we'll just keep going from there. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. I'm going to start them off on a good note, though. Like, I, I like to, you know, build people up before I break them down. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I will say this, right? So I did want to bring this up. I think I brought it up on the last Differences episode. I got to give them credit for doing the part one, part two. They at least tried on that perspective. They didn't try to cram it all into one. It was really the first time that was ever done. So I guess that was kind of like a risky move in the film world. So with that being said, <laughs> that was like the good part. I will say this. It was kind of cool seeing the opening scene because someone had Michael Bay syndrome. They have like the Dementors. I guess it was, they look more like puppets kind of to me just in <laughs> they were all around the castle. That was pretty cool to see. Okay, <laughs> now, where were we? Let's get started. So, just like you said, to reconfirm exactly what you said, Ollivander said 
quote in quote i only confirmed rumors so what you said is you only confirmed the whole fucking shit that you know exactly what hollows are you've been hearing about that shit for fucking ages apparently 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 they just decided that was a cool fucking thing to do um throwing this out there it wasn't that big of a deal but in the film griphook tells them that snape's become headmaster and like have they been keeping their heads under a fucking rock the entire time just kind of throwing that out there like randomly we're gonna find out at shell college shell cottage that snape's headmaster even though we've been around fucking death eaters for an entire part one all right don't know why that was never mentioned um as far as so this is kind of a big one uh remember grip hook had that whole bargain so that bargain did it wasn't really a bargain like he just wanted this sword bill had this whole moment where he was telling him that bargains are different in the goblin world and like you said you touched on this a lot like all the history with goblins and controversy they just you know apparently in this movie grip hook and goblins are just pieces of shit (laughs) this is just the way it is um and then uh from this part point so then uh so of course you know it was originally that ron's like whole like idea in the book the group tries to think of like different ideas and it was Ron's idea to like swap the sword and he was making himself kind of look stupid. Um, and Harry even originally says, I'm sorry. Um, you know, we can't offer that to you and all that stuff. But like, I don't know. I don't know if they tried to like, especially towards the second part of this movie, definitely tried to give Ron a little bit more credit, but like going into the vault scene, I got to say this, I gotta give them a little bit of credit with the Helena Bottom Carter thing because I thought she, you know, I thought it was great like they kind of actually used her to play that role and just dubbed it with Hermione's voice. I don't know about the whole voice thing, but whatever, I can buy it. This is where I'm getting to about Ron. Maybe it was just me. He looked like he just had like a fake beard on or something. (laughs) Like whatever, like whoever he was. Like I guess like... I don't, I guess, like, he just threw, like, a big beard on Why Harry Hood hid under the invisibility cloak. I don't know. Uh, As far as, so, when, I say Bellatrix Lestrange, really Hermione, when Hermione gets there, at the same time, like, in the book, like, they demand identification, and uh, she's, like, really, like, like massively like pissed off about it like remember she doesn't she like stun goblins or whatever she did like she stunned a couple of people before she went in there and then at this point she hands over the wand right to uh the goblins that are there and that was they were like um there she was like here's my wand because i have it right here and she was okay with that but in the film like, she was like, I will not give you my wand, even though she had it, like, right there in front of her, which was, like, the whole thing that would have sold her position anyways. But then, when it was like they knew, it was as if they hadn't been informed. I mean, they mentioned it lightly that they were informed. But then, I don't know. I just felt like it was very downplayed. And the whole Imperio thing, when you finally cast Imperio... I was okay with it. I let it slide. 
but it looked like a green like hover fart is really what it looked like that just came over the thing like no one's gonna fucking notice that <laughs> like what the fuck is that but whatever i'm okay with it and uh then i'll do one more and i'll let it get back to you but uh so in the film um as far as the vault goes like the like roller coaster vault thing i thought that was badass with the first person point of view as far as that goes because i want to give them a little bit of credit there um (laughs) i have some major problems with the whole scene in just a minute but from this point like i was okay like i wasn't terrible i thought it was kind of ridiculous and i did like this kind of back and forth though as far as when they actually get there so when they do get there in the film uh as far as like uh they're standing in like diagon alley or whatever there is kind of this like back and forth uh where of course she goes she uh kind of goes how do i look and then ron goes hideous and it was just kind of you were trying you could definitely tell they were trying to sell their whole relationship that's for later on but i didn't have a terrible problem with it starting off like my big problem is more towards later on so i'll let you take it from here for part of the vault what did you think about that whole vault i I hated this movie from the beginning so (laughs) i didn't like any part of it but uh, <laughs> I tried to give it some credit. <laughs> like when she, yeah, they, like, I just pulled this book part in the book up here when you were talking about it about like um, Bellatrix handing over her wand in the movie. She doesn't hand it over in the book. Like they ask her for it, and that's when uh, Gripo tells Harry to act now, and that's when he puts the that Imperius curse. So they actually don't handle Bellatrix's wand in the book. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, but to continue on about like these the major differences is like they missed the part. When they arrive in in Diagon Alley, where the Wandless men try to attack, you know, Bellatrix, Hermione as Bellatrix, and demand to know where his children are. Like, remember that guy? Like, tried to lunge for her throat. And to answer your question yeah. about like why Ron had like a fake beard, I guess it's kind of hard to like. That's what he was supposed to do. He had to have a disguise to go as Dragomir Despard. So like, he had to, they it said this. This is described in the book as him having a beard uh, that she had to trim carefully because he wanted it shorter. Remember, he was making a big stink about how he wanted his appearance to look. But so that actually did happen. But regardless, they didn't put the wandless man in there and have him attack Hermione and have like like Ron blast him back, which you know probably should have happened. But in terms of the actual vault itself, in the book, it was the Gemino and flagrant curses placed upon the items in Bellatrix's vault, the ones mm-hmm. that make them multiply and burn. In the movie, it was just the multiplying yeah. charm. It was just like ge- the the Gemino charm. So. I don't know what would have been better for them to act like the shit was scalding and burning them because it was <laughs> supposed to be. It makes it even harder. Like they just try to make it seem like the items were gonna suffocate them. Well, not only were they trying to suffocate them, they're burning them like skin and scalding alive too. But regardless, in the book, Hermione uses Levicorpus to levitate Harry so he can hook the cup with the sword. In the movie, Harry just bull rushes over the multiplying objects, which are supposed to burn him. Like that's just stupid. He just runs right into it. Like I don't, I don't get what the fuck that was all about. Uh, another <laughs> one here in the book, Griphook did not exchange the cup for the sword like it showed in the movie. Harry mm-hmm. dropped it after using the counter charm to Levicorpus, and Griphook grabbed it and swung the sword out of Harry's reach, which caused the cup to fly off the blade. 
So even that, like, there was no exchange. Like, give me the cup, give me the sword. Like, that's not what happened. That's not what happened at all. He like he he did the libera corpus and he fell. And when he fell, he dropped the sword. And Grippa grabbed it and basically took off because the cup, the yeah, the lock, the handle of the cup flew off the sword. So, anyways, that's all wrong. Uh, of course, the movie decides to push Hermione's character and portray that she was the one who thought of using the dragon to escape Gringotts when. In the book, on page 541, it was clearly Harry's idea, and Hermione actually even asks Harry, 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 what are you doing? And Harry responds, get up, climb up, come on. Showing that Hermione had no thought of that plan, it was Harry's in the book. But no, let's go ahead and give it to fucking Hermione in the movie, why not? We don't mind changing the storyline, it's a lot of fun. That's great, yeah, okay. And then, two more, I'll turn it over to Chase. In the book, on page 543, it clearly states that the dragon forced its way through the metal doors as it staggered into the Diagon Alley. In the movie, the dragon escapes through the roof! What are we doing, guys? <laughs> I don't get it! And then the last one before I turn it over to Chase is the movie introduces this weird concept that as they destroy the Horcruxes, Harry's connection to Voldemort gets more and more disconnected, which literally isn't true by the book's plot. Like, that doesn't do that at all remember when he's like yeah it seems sort of fuzzy like it's yeah. like not connected correctly like that's just <laughs> this weird concept that is just not accurate as it goes by the plot of the book they're very connected because oh i don't know harry has a piece of voldemort soul in him oh my goodness it drives me nuts that they don't just understand this shit but regardless those are my next few i'll go ahead and turn over to chase and he can continue from there and we'll go we'll go onwards from that um <laughs> uh, yeah i mean I gotta give him a little credit. I thought the clankers were cool. Like how like they teetered the clankers back and forth. They didn't call them clankers, but that's what they were. I thought it was cool. That was kind of a cool ad. I appreciated that. <laughs> it wasn't an ad. It was what they were supposed to do. <laughs> like that's what they were supposed to do. You're giving them credit for things that they're I supposed to do. Conjure like anything for this film, man. Like this film was hot garbage. Ugh. Why? I've asked you this before. Why the fuck is it everywhere they go, they have to cast Lumos? Like, they went to that vault and they were like, Lumos, isn't it a fucking bank? Like, can't you see inside the fucking vault? I don't don't recall them ever, like, always casting Lumos every fucking chance they get. And, like, I don't know what, maybe they did do this in the book and I just couldn't remember. Like, maybe you're some weird voice. But, like, in the film, he notices the goblet, not the way he did in the book, like, where... Yeah, it was on top of that mountain, but, like, the way he did it in the book, he, like, sees it there, versus here, like, it calls out, like, Tongue to him. Like, he tries to use, like, his I connection do want to, say, to, like, hone in on where it was. Was that in the book? I do want to say that on page 537, uh, they, like, Grip Hook tells Ron, Harry, and Hermione, light your wands, can't you? Hurry, we have very little time. And they do say Lumos, and he, show, he shows his lit wand around the vault. So... That part they did have correct slide. with with Lumos okay. in the. We can't let it slide. They did it right. <laughs> they did it right. <laughs> yeah, for I'll, 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 I'll give it to him. I'll give it to him. Point one for yeah. the film because they're gonna need it. Um, yes, they are. I thought the gold even after the flagrant curses was really downplayed. Remember, Grip Hook originally said the gold, the weight of the gold will crush you alone. <laughs> and yet he's like just climbing all over it and cool with that shit. Okay, whatever. I do gotta say this. It was a little bit of a trade because there was a quote here. Grip Hook just says the sword. 
So it was kind of like implied like for him to hand over the sword or whatever it was. I guess intending to trade it. Because didn't he grab the cup? Because he grabbed it in the film from when it fell down. Because Harry like was trying to grab the cup at the very top of the mountain and it fell down. And I guess he held it in his hand. And he was like, I think the words he actually said was the cup for the sword. So I will give him a little bit of credit on that. But which wasn't accurate little... with the book, though. The book, they didn't have any sort of exchange. Oh, yeah. I was just saying it happened. <laughs> I was just cor- correcting you just a little bit. I didn't say it was good. Um, in the book, no, I'm actually saying it didn't happen. Like the... I'm saying, yeah. like, in the book, it's uh, in this book itself, there was no like grip hook never touched the cup in the book. It was literally on the he Harry dropped the sword and grip mm-hmm. grabbed the sword. And when he grabbed the sword, thieves, the, the thieves. cup flew off the sword. Like the, like the so he never actually touched the cup itself, but in the movie he oh, did no, try I'm to exchange saying, it for the sword. I'm saying like so the original agreement they made in the book. Well, I said I guess you can call it a little bit of a, <laughs> a trade. I guess that could have been there if they were trying to speed up scenes. That could have been their excuse <laughs> for it. Well, it was the trade, <laughs> so that's my argument there. So I'm giving them a little bit of credit for the trade <laughs> anyways um but uh to your point about that in the vault right um it was also very downplayed with like the other goblins coming in like for a moment you could see some spells like being shot um but that was very downplayed as far as that goes um as far as i do gotta give him credit i thought it was a badass scene it like bursting up from the floor the like blind dragon with the scars on it visually gorgeous however remember that scene it was like the goblins had no idea like they were imposters at all (laughs) even though in the book they were like everyone was being alerted they were just working away (laughs) diligently when it busts through the fucking floor and then like flies out the top and knocks out the top of the roof and yeah and then uh in the book i do have to say this kind of catching back up to you here like ron goes i say we jump and then the group jumps off the dragon into like the lake like when the fuck did that ever happen maybe i was confounded but i don't remember that should ever happen and then when he's in the lake this is where they misplaced this fucking scene was like and they really fucked up the scene by the way but this is when like Harry has the vision of like Voldemort's learning about the Horcruxes that are missing, which in the book, you know, you had the visions of the basin and all that shit. We'll get into all that shit later because apparently like, you know, <laughs> we'll get into that when we get to Aberforth. But you see my fucking problem here is like, there's just like, why add that? Like, why? Why do well, it that they way? Did, like, did that add? They did jump off the dragon suspenseful? into the lake though. The only difference was that Harry told him to jump and not run, but they did jump off the dragon into the lake in the book. Into that lake? I thought they yeah, sat the there lake. at the original first place, and then they, like, flew to Hogsmeade. I say, right well, here, page 546, that. in chapter 27, the final hiding place, I say we jump when it gets low enough, Harry called back to the other, straight into the water before it realizes we're here. So they jumped right okay, into the lake. So, so they jumped they did into that the right. water. Well, then the vision yeah, was fucked they up. Yeah, in the water oh the vision was so. stupid for sure yeah the vision was very dumb <laughs> yeah that was the vision the vision was not stupid. great so all right they jumped into the water i remember the dragon didn't they go like someplace first 
They no. no, they swam like after they they jumped off the dragon, then swam to that little shore thing, and then at the shore they got the pop, they propped up the tent, and that's when Harry had the vision. And Harry's like, "Now nah, we gotta go now," and that's when they went to Hogsmeade in the book. Okay, gotcha. I just remember the dragon flying blindly, but it didn't stop at all. It just kept flying. Yeah, just it, 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 like the dragon itself, like stopped to take a drink of water out of the lake and then flew away after that. After they were already that's off what back. it was. But. The dragon did stop to take that. I knew I was missing something. The dragon stopped. That was the difference. It didn't just keep flying, and that's what they intended it to be. So what you're saying is they did fuck it up. They did. <laughs> I don't yeah. think it changed much okay, in terms of the storyline, but. No worries. So then to get to that part where they did go ahead and apparate into Hogsmeade, I don't understand why the movies hate the invisibility cloak so much because they didn't give them the invisibility cloak when they went to, what's it called, Godric's Hollow back in part one. They were supposed to go underneath the invisibility cloak then. They're supposed to go under the invisibility cloak now into Hogsmeade, but nope, we're just going to go ahead where I'm the most wanted wizard in fucking Britain. I'm just going to go ahead and show up just as myself. No visibility cloak right in Hogsmeade where Voldemort knows that I now I'm chasing the Horcruxes. Uh, so I just had a really big problem with the lack of invisibility cloak. Um, now, the Death Eaters try and summon the cloak with Accio, which doesn't work. That's, that's what they're supposed to do in the book. The Death Eaters never try that. They just shout, Potter! <laughs> Fucking weird. Uh, also, the movie decides they want to omit the part where the Death Eaters come up with a plan to have the Dementors suck out his soul since Voldemort only needs Harry's life. And the Dementors detect them under the cloak, forcing Harry to use his Patronus, which the Death Eaters recognize as a stag. And then Aberforth interferes and says it was his Patronus and casts it for the Death Eaters. And it's a goat, which you know, which could be mistaken for a stag. None of that was important to add into the book, apparently, or the movie, apparently. We're just going to leave all of that out. Not a problem at all. All good things. No, it's fucking stupid. Now, next. What the fuck was up with the mirror? In the movie, it shows that Aberforth has the mirror with, like, the shard missing, and the shard that was missing is the one Harry had throughout the movie. That was not at all how it was supposed to be. Sirius gave Harry one mirror and kept the other mirror, meaning that there were actually supposed to be two mirrors, and he smashed his at the end of Order of the Phoenix when he realized Sirius didn't have Sirius's mirror on him when he fell through the veal, so Harry couldn't ever speak with him again. That's why in the beginning of the book, Harry cut himself on the biggest piece of his mirror that he had left, which conveniently, part one of the movie also left out. So Aberforth bought Sirius's mirror from Mundungus, and Albus told Aberforth what it was. There were always two mirrors, not just one with a shard missing. That was, it's a huge plot hole that the movie does. That's really stupid. Like, I don't get it at all. Uh, next one. Apparently, the movie thinks it's acceptable that Aberforth knew what Horcruxes were and that Harry was hunting them down when the books yeah, made it perfectly clear. <laughs> yeah, the books made it perfectly clear nobody knew of the mission except Harry, Ron, and Hermione. That's a big fail. And if anyone wants to go ahead and, and detail that and act like you know, see if they if I know what I'm talking about here, you can find that at 29 minutes in. If anyone wants to reference it, Aberforth says, you know, chasing around Horcruxes. Like you're not supposed to know what Horcruxes are, Aberforth. Like, this, like, you don't know about the mission. The book makes it very clear. Only Harry, Ron, and Hermione knew about what the mission was from Dumbledore. Not Aberforth. So, big problem there. Um, yes, the movie decides to omit the story that Aberforth tells them about Albus, Grindelwald, and Ariana. That's okay. Mm -hmm. It was only a huge piece of the plot line. No big deal. We don't need that in there. 
Not a problem at all. No, it doesn't talk about them dueling in the kitchen and one of their curses hitting Ariana. That just, you know what? We can just leave that out because guess what we did last movie? We went ahead and put Neville Say Sorry Losers. He's not here. So since we did that, we can go ahead and leave out these parts. It's all good. So give me one more and I'll turn it back over to Chase. In the movie, and this is a big pothole, guys. This is this is stupid. Like you, It can't happen based on what we saw in the movie itself. The movie itself contradicted itself. In the movie... Luna is just somehow already back at Hogwarts. So when they go through the tunnel, Luna was just already there in the room of requirement. Well, why is that a problem? Oh, I don't know, because they just left her at Shell Cottage before they left. So how did Luna just end up already there? In, so in the book, in the beginning, she was at Bill and Fleur's with Harry, Ron, and Hermione after escaping Malfoy Manor. So did she just stroll in the Hogwarts to the front entrance as an escaped prisoner? Or is the movie trying to get me to believe that she arrived at Aberforth before Harry, Ron, and Hermione? Either way, it's all wrong. As I stated, in the book, Luna doesn't arrive until after Neville communicated through the DA token galleon that Harry arrived and Ginny and Dinny arrived with her. That's a that's a whole plot hole mess. If you guys want to detail where that is, reference it. It's 33 minutes and 8 seconds. For anyone who wants to verify that Luna just was, was like already in the room of requirement. It just it can't happen. It just can't happen. So with that being said, I'll turn it back over to Chase. Yeah, and actually, I'm going to verify what you said about Aberforth because don't worry, they don't have to go to the minutes in because I got the entire conversation right here to show how stupid it was. <laughs> but going back to that vision, because I did find a little part I want to mention, uh, let me read you exactly what it said because it says it's absolutely ridiculous because he actually mentions, I want to verify this with you because you're pretty on top of the book exact pages and stuff. Does he ever mention that he saw Rowena Ravenclaw in a vision? No. No. Because <laughs> I have the exact quote. <laughs> this is how fucking stupid it was. Um, so, let's go to here. So, this is when uh, after they get in that lake, right? And he has that crazy-ass vision there. So, uh, they stand up and he goes, He knows. You know he knows. We broke into Gringotts and he knows we're hunting Horcruxes. He's angry and scared, too. He knows that if we find and destroy all the Horcruxes, we'll be able to kill him. He wants to make sure we don't find the rest. There's more. And then one of them is at Hogwarts. He knows this. I saw the castle and Rowena Ravenclaw. It must have something to do with the castle. We have to go there now. Hermione goes, we can't do that. We've got to plan. We've got to figure it out. Hermione, when have our plans ever actually worked? We plan, we get there, all hell breaks loose. Ron goes, he's right. One problem, Snape's headmaster now. We can't just walk through the front door. Harry, we'll go to Hogsmeade, to Honeydukes, take the secret passage in the cellar. It's, it's, there's something wrong with him. It's like, you know, in the past, I've always been able to follow his thoughts, and now it just feels, it's all disconnected. Ron goes, maybe. It's the Horcruxes. Maybe he's growing weaker. Maybe he's dying. He goes, no, no. It's more like he's wounded. If anything, he feels more dangerous. When the fuck did he even know they were destroying Horcruxes? Much less feel anything. Much less have some vision of Rowena Ravenclaw. And you magically know it's at the fucking Hogwarts castle with the Ravenclaws. Like, when the fuck did that ever happen? So, yeah, they didn't know that it had anything to do with Ravenclaw. They guessed it in the book. Because they already had something from a Hufflepuff, they had something from Slytherin, the locket and the cup, and they didn't—they didn't ever ended up getting anything from Gryffindor. So they inferred that it would be something to do with Ravenclaw, right? 
But yeah, at no point in the in the book does it say that he saw Ravenclaw, like Rowena Ravenclaw, in a vision. On top of the fact that that wasn't even Rowena Ravenclaw, that's already a problem. It was Helena Ravenclaw, and so, uh, but just he never said that he felt disconnected from Voldemort. <laughs> he was always been able to do that because he is part of Voldemort's soul, is part of and part of Harry. That's why he had to go into the you know forest and have Voldemort kill it because like they have a shared connection. And like you mentioned, there was never a time where Voldemort was feeling the death of his horcruxes and you couldn't feel them <laughs> and I, I bring that up later because that's when they destroy it next he like has this oh like he felt a part of him break away but I will say that at least like he did think of Hogwarts in the vision and that's why Voldemort did think of Hogwarts in the vision that Harry saw mm-hmm. and that's why they knew to go to Hogwarts right away but they never talked about using the Honeyduke secret passage I never talked about doing that. That's all just ad living by the movie, which you know, as you can see, has its issues. Which brings up another problem. Like you said, it was Helena Ravenclaw. What the fuck was the point of Luna? <laughs> if you could just point out the fuck it was through your vision, and then to your point, we won't get into the little fading away. But all I'm saying is, apparently in the afterlife, Dobby did the Thanos snap. <laughs> That's all I'm saying, man. Dobby did the little crack from the afterlife (laughs) but we'll go into that much later uh next few things here um so you already brought up the dementors i want (laughs) to make sure everyone hears this conversation because it's exactly what you're saying apropos then the film goes bloody fools coming here do you have any idea how dangerous it is which I thought the actor did pretty well. He was kind of like an Aberforth. I think the actor that played Dumbledore, like you said, would have been a better Aberforth, though. Just notating that. <laughs> um, and then Harry goes, We've been hunting Horcruxes, and we think the last one is inside the castle, but we'll need your help getting in. When the, This was a huge fucking thing. Harry would tell nobody. Like, would tell nobody. He was like, We've been hunting Horcruxes. <laughs> we're gonna spill our guts to the entire fucking world and then like you said he acts like he knows all about that shit that's not a job my brother's giving you it's a suicide mission do yourself a favor boy go home live a little longer swear they stole that shit out of chronicles of narnia when the wolf was the wolf was like go home boy i swear they're just fucking stealing warner brothers movies since they got the same rights now is that what the fuck we're doing uh and then here he goes dumbledore trusted me to see this through aberforth what makes you think you can trust him what makes you think you can believe anything my brother told you in all the time you knew him did you ever mention my name did he ever mention hers Another problem I have right here. Harry goes, why should he Aberforth keep secrets? You tell me, Harry, I trusted him. Aberforth goes, that's a boy's answer. A boy who goes chasing horcruxes on a word of a man who wouldn't even tell him where to start. So like you said, this shows three problems. I'm about to tell you a third one. First one is that Harry will tell anyone in their world about Horcruxes. He will tell Joe Blow that he doesn't know from Adam about Horcruxes. Two, this also shows that Aberforth knows about Horcruxes, which no one's supposed to know about Horcruxes except for apparently Dumbledore and Harry. But that's in Ron and Hermione, which is a big-ass lie, I guess. I guess uh, that's not the route we're going to take. 
Also, the other problem here is remember Harry was like struggling whether or not he trusted Dumbledore? Like that was that whole big deal. You have this whole portrait of Ariana. It's not going to grow some like suspicion in Harry's mind. No, he's just like, I fucking trust his ass. He was great. Yeah. Best fucking thing I've ever had in the world. (laughs) I don't fucking get it, man. It doesn't make any sense to me. On top of that. If anything, it's bad writing. On top of that too, like he even says, I'm not interested in what happened between you and your brother. That's what Harry says at Everforth. <laughs> but, like, that was literally one of the things that was bothering him about him in the book. He had no idea what was the truth about Dumbledore's past. Like, that. he is literally worried about what happened between him and his brother. I don't know why in the movie he said, I'm not interested about what happened between you and a brother. Like, yes, you are. You were so mad that Dumbledore was keeping secrets from you. You want to know the truth. And he's finally telling you the truth. You can't sit there. The movie can't sit there and say that he didn't care. Like, yeah, he fucking did care all through the book. <laughs> it was like a... Oh, I have to say yeah. this too. Even better, piggybacking off what you're saying, that same line, because what's funny was I wrote it down because I was just reading as you said it because it was the exact line. <laughs> but the second part of that line that Harry says, I don't care that you've given up. I trusted the man I knew and we need to get into the castle tonight. Bullshit. <laughs> he had the whole conversation where he's like defying him, like trying to almost like... He gave a shit that he gave up. He's like sitting here telling him, like, you're giving up. You need to stop giving up. And he's like, I don't care that you're giving up. Like, I just don't. Like, whatever. <laughs> I don't I don't get it, man. And with that, I'm going to turn it back to you because I said literally in – I literally put in, in little uh, open and closed parens, what the fuck, dumbest conversation I've ever heard. <laughs> 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 After you, man, I'll let you take over, Jane Ellie. Sure. Um, also, my, my <laughs> new thing is how the fuck is Ginny supposed to know that Snape knows that Harry was spotted in Hogsmeade? Ginny never went back to Hogwarts after Easter break. She only shows up when Neville told them through the DA Galleons that Harry arrived. In the books, Snape finds out because Electo Caro finds Harry at Rimmaclaw Tower and summoned Voldemort, which alerted all the Death Eaters. Jenny wasn't in there. She had gone home after Easter break. <laughs> like, didn't go back. And when she ends up coming at the same time, remember, it was Luna, Fred, George, and Jenny, and Lee Jordan. Those are the five that showed up from the DA. Those are the, they all came together. So, number one, Luna was never supposed to be in the room requirement already, waiting for Harry to get there. Somehow, she must have just did some instantaneous transmission like Goku from Shell Cottage back to Hogwarts. So, that's a problem. And now, Jenny all of a sudden is like, Snape knows. Bitch, how do you know Snape knows? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, straight up. He finds out when the the Caros, you know, he was in the Ravenclaw Tower and he ended up, you know, uh, it was actually the uh, the girl pressed the fucking uh, finger to the dark mark and summoned Voldemort. And that's what alerted all the rest of the Death Eaters. It wasn't, it just wasn't from the clear blue sky that Ginny just like, hey, hey man, Snape knows. I don't know how, but, but Snape knows you're here. So, big problem with that. Also... Apparently, the part in the book where Electo Caro summons Voldemort after catching Harry Ravenclaw Tower wasn't even important enough to make it into the movie. They didn't even have that. Remember, that's what that was supposed to happen. Yeah. You touched the dark mark, yeah, some exactly. of the Lord, like, and mm-hmm. like the brother was like banging on Ravenclaw Tower, like let me in, like you know, because he's right. like if he if they if we don't have Potter and he comes here, we're gonna be the go the same way as the Malfoys, like you know. So that was something that they didn't think was important enough to add in. Okay. Um, now this is a big part here. And this, it's, it's funny because it's one of those things that, like, they did it wrong. But were very few things that they did wrong that I was like, all right, you know what? I'm not going to cause a big stink about it. But just by sequence of time of events, it's not right. Snape, in the book, 
never actually gathered an assembly in the Great Hall to demand the students give up Harry. He actually stops McGonagall mm -hmm. in the corridors leaving Ravenclaw Tower after McGonagall sent Patronus messages to the other teachers and asks and Snape asks McGonagall if she's seen Harry. That's what he does. He doesn't fucking go into this big old thing in the Great Hall like, and you will be treated equally as guilty. <laughs> like that never happens. Oh, that like, was dead have on. A, like, that was great. Like, <laughs> I just. Oh, I got a major. And I will say this. <laughs> I got a oh, it's bad. Problem. Like he had. Remember, he ended up mm. flying out of the window after he fought the three teachers. And that's one of the things here. Like one of the cool. And that's my next one. And I'll turn it back over to you after this one. One of the coolest moments of this movie was actually completely inaccurate. In accordance with the novel, Harry doesn't confront Snape in the Great Hall. And the duel between Snape and McGonagall does number one doesn't occur in the Great Hall, nor was it one on one. In the book, Snape and McGonagall dueled in the corridor near Ravenclaw Tower, and Professor Flitwick jumped in to assist, and Professor Sprout and Professor Slughorn were right behind them, and Snape fled. On page 599, like, I actually love that battle in the movie, it's just not factual. Like, it was really cool to see McGonagall and Snape go back and forth and, like, Snape flee. It just didn't happen. That was one of the very few things, though, that was okay. Like, I thought it was cool to see, nice to see McGonagall get her shining moment. But if you match it up to what was supposed to happen in the novel, it actually didn't go like that. So, with that being said, I'll turn it over to you. I gotta disagree with you. I thought the whole thing was horseshit. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you exactly why. <laughs> but let's go back to where we were at with, because uh, I got another problem with Aberforth here right before we go, because I know it's a little another fucking problem here. So, uh, like, <laughs> he tells kind of the story, you know, like you said, he admitted the whole fucking thing, and then he goes up to Ariana's portrait. You know what to do, Ab. Uh, you know what to do. So he goes there, but then. Uh, Neville comes out. It's like the whole thing's really downplayed about the torture of the Karos, like you were saying. Like, he's not even that... Like, I think maybe he had, like, a cut on his face. But, like, in the book, he, yeah. like, you know... Yeah, his hair was, like, really long, but his eyes were, like, swollen and all that shit. Like, that was super downplayed. You nailed it about uh, Amethyst Kiro and the Karos up there with the Death Eater mark. You nailed that. Uh, I do gotta say, this little part... I gotta give him a little bit of credit. I thought it was cool when, like, Neville leads them there, and they're all sitting there. And, uh, the soundtrack plays, and he goes, Listen, you lot, I brought you a bit of surprise. And Simi goes, Not more of Aberforth's cook <laughs> cooking, I hope. I am surprised we can't even digest it. And then Harry shows up, and you hear the dun 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 They don't give a fuck about Ron and Hermione, apparently. Like, no one gave a fuck, though. They're like, fuck yeah, you're here. He's going to save us. Fuck you, Ron. Fuck you, Hermione. In fact, like you said, was Ron even made that comment was... Ron even made a comment that said... Um, she hasn't seen me in six months, and I'm her brother. And Seamus goes, well, she's got plenty of those. There's only one Harry. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> like, okay. I mean, I guess I get it about Ron, but Hermione? Come on now. Like, you know, Hermione, yeah. Hermione had some friends there, that's for sure. Um, I And then, you know, that was another problem I have. In the film... Like, in the book, like, he was, like, really hesitant to tell me about all this stuff. But same thing, like I mentioned already. Like, he's just all open, you know. Verisatiarum. We're just going to tell everyone the whole fucking plan, apparently. Whatever. I'm going to let it go. Um, 
Uh, I did like this part. You know, Jenny sees Harry and she goes, Harry. Uh, we already touched on that. But it was just like, it was kind of a cool like moment. I thought that was good. But at the same time, that's a big problem too. Because he's like all for her like fighting in this battle. <laughs> like he was totally against there. Remember Molly was like, you're not fighting in this. Like you're not, you're, you're not of age. And Fred was like, you are. And in this one, uh, he's all for it. Like, yeah, you stand your ground. <laughs> you stand up and what's right, Jenny? I trained you with the DA because I'm the shit. Um, now we're going to go into this big section here, and I'm going to turn it right back to you. Because this is one of my favorite parts in the book, and they just choose to fuck up the entire thing. Apparently, apparently we're just going to fuck up the whole shit. So um, let's go ahead and start. So... Alan Rickman, and I'm going to, the reason I want to read this is because I'm going to break down everything he says and why Snape would never say this. <laughs> Here's the problem. One, they looked like Nazis in the Great Hall. Like, I don't know why everything was just torch lit. There was like no light. He wanted everything to look like the Slytherin common room, apparently. It was very strange. Even the point where they were marching. Remember where he was like looking over the tower? He was like, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> he looked like Hitler looking over the fucking tower. Snape would never do that. In fact, Snape over here, remember he had his hood up and was like patrolling the dungeon? He was like, I didn't know it was your turn to patrol the dungeons, McGonagall, when he was like oh, questioning them. It was them, the corridors because really it was near Ravenclaw yeah. Tower. Yeah. Exactly. He would never gather everyone in the fucking Greek hall. In fact, if you think about it this little way, all he ever did was ever question, like, where Harry was. Uh, and really, like, he never would ever... There's a part in this speech where he basically, like, insinuates torturing students. Like, he basically implies that shit. So, Alan Rickman, I gotta give him credit, though. He is awesome, as always. I think he's one of the best parts of these, this film. Um... Kind of reminds me of like a Darth Vader, though, in <laughs> this entire uh, scene. But he goes, Many of you are surely wondering why I have summoned you at this hour. It's come to my attention that earlier this evening, Harry Potter was sighted in Hogsmeade. Should anyone, student or staff, attempt to aid Mr. Potter, they will be punished in a manner of consistent with the severity of their transgression. Furthermore, any person found to have knowledge of these events who fails to come forward will be treated as equally guilty. Now then, if anyone here has any knowledge of Mr. Potter's movements this evening, I invite them to step forward now. <laughs> this is when Harry breaks out. You know, he's always got to have his cheesy dialogue in there in every fucking film. Just like Azkaban always bring up. And if I find him, I'm going to kill him. Here he goes. It seems despite your exhaustive defensive strategies. This is when the order breaks in. You still have a bit of security problem, headmaster. When the fuck have they ever had a security problem at Hogwarts? <laughs> like, and is it uh, the book order six? of the Phoenix? Book six, they, they, all the Death Eaters broke in through the uh, okay, cabinet. That was like a, big, the ministry, that was a huge that. security yeah. problem. All right, whatever. <laughs> That's not the big point. Still reading this shit because it pissed me off. Headmaster, and I'm afraid it's quite extensive. And then, of course, you have Lupin, Bill, Floor, Molly, Arthur, Fred, George, Neville, because they all got to make some big-ass scene. How dare you stood where he stood? 
Tell them how it happened that night. Tell them how you looked him in the eye. A man who trusted you and killed them. Killed him. Tell him. And then Snape just like is staring there and takes out his wand. Why do I have a problem with this? I do like the fact Snape never responded because you got to really see what this man was going through. Like how messed up is that? And he's like sitting here probably thinking I've protected your ass the whole time. But here's my big problem with this. One, when the fuck has Snape ever implied to, like, torture students? I mean, I know there was that whole thing, Potter, you're not leaving until you drink your potion. But in the end, I don't think he would have ever had, like, put unforgivable curses on students. And you will be equally as guilty. Whatever. (laughs) I'm going to go with it. Here's my problem. The real fight in the book. Remember what happened. So there was a torch on the wall where McGonagall... Uh, waved her wand and like a lasso like ignited it from the wall and the torch which made that lasso of fire just like Dumbledore had almost conjured had really conjured in Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix and the only one he ever feared in the Battle of the Ministry of Magic well that was fucking badass but remember Snape was so powerful he does a shield block and it almost knocked her off balance Like, they didn't show, give Snape enough credit here. Like, he was a badass. They didn't use any of the other order. Whatever, I'm going to let McGonagall have her moment. Then, what happened was he blocked it, and then she turned it into knives. And then he still stopped the knives by turning a suit of armor to come alive. You never saw any of that. You could have saw something very similar that was intense. Instead, no, what did I do? I counted him. McGonagall shoots ten times the fire thing at Snape. And he just keeps backing up and backing up and backing up. In the book, remember, we talked about how he became like this bat-like creature that they talked about after he flew outside the window when he jumped out. And he was wearing almost like that hooded thing. Like he wasn't just openly standing there because he was patrolling the corridors. Well, what this also proves is Snape could have possibly been an animagi, which gives him even more props because that's amazing. Instead, he just throws and like they half-assed it is what they did. And he turned into some like phoenix figure it looked like x-men uh when gene gray turns into the phoenix it looked like sansa stark that played the new gene gray because that movie got nowhere and was absolutely trash that's exactly what this shit looked like but they ruined the entire battle scene i thought it was absolutely trash it didn't even use any of the other order snape got no fucking credit at all he had to look like hitler because he he basically was like interrogating students I thought it fucking sucked. But that was just me, you know? Everyone has their opinions. I'm glad you appreciated it. Teach their own. I'm glad you appreciated it. Appreciated it. In the words of Vince Vaughn from Wedding Crashers, my friend Jeremy, I'm sure it will be great for everyone that's going, for everyone that enjoyed it. But me personally, I was not a fan. Back to you, Jane Ellie. Yeah, I, I liked it just because it gave McGonagall a shining moment. But, yeah, it didn't give Snape enough credit. He was definitely a lot stronger than it portrayed. It took McGonagall with help from Professor Flitwick and then Professor Sprout and Slughorn kind of bring up the rear about trying to get there as well before Snape was forced to kind of flee and get out of there. So, yeah, I, I agree they didn't give Snape enough credit in that moment. But I liked it. It was great to see McGonagall having her nice and shining moment. Um... I would I say now, kind of continuing on from that, there was no student evacuation in the movie. Like that was a big part. Like McGonagall was actually the one in the novel that brought the students to the Great Hall. Like that was her idea, 
And remember, like, like, like that's where the, she was going to uh, have, like, them all meet there and evacuate the students under who are underage to get out of there, give the students who were of age a chance to fight if they wanted to. She's the one that actually brought that meeting there. But apparently in the movie, they didn't show any sort of evacuation. Um, this one's pretty big. Apparently, Percy Weasley and his return to the family was not important enough to put in the film. They said, fuck you, Percy, you've been a bitch, and we're not going to add you into it anymore. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, then uh, the next one, Ron and Hermione didn't stop Harry and tell them their plan, nor did Harry give them the Marauder's Map. They disappeared in the novel, and Harry couldn't find them for a bit. And when he finally did run into each other, they had already destroyed the cup and had a bunch of basilisk fans with them. That they, they, they was just not anywhere near close to what the movie showed happened. Like, he's, he's like, they, Ron, like you said, they gave, they overblew Ron's character here and, like, had Ron go this whole thing, this great idea where, like, it might have, he might have had that idea, but remember, Harry couldn't find them. He, he was getting frustrated because he was looking all over for, Ron, for, uh, for Hermione and Ron. He couldn't find them in the Great Hall, was looking in the bathroom because Ginny said they might be in a bathroom. Like, he couldn't find them, and that was a huge issue. But no, in this one, they're just going to run up there and tell them the plan. So, that was wrong. <laughs> um, I will say this. I will give the movie this credit. The visuals of the defensive spells being placed around Hogwarts was pretty sick. I really enjoyed how it kind of put that force field bubble around the Hogwarts grounds. I enjoyed that. Good job, movie, for once. Uh, in the movie, Luna stops Harry from going to Ravenclaw's common room. Where, really, in the book, Luna and him actually go to Ravenclaw's common room under the invisibility cloak so Harry could see what the diadem looked like on Rowena's statue to know what he was looking for. You remember he was running up the thing and she's like, Harry Potter, you listen to me right this second. Like... That yeah. never happened because they were both in the common room together. They were climbing the towered Ravenclaw together in the in the book under the invisibility cloak. But in the movie, they go away from Ravenclaw Tower, which is an exact contradiction. So not yeah, only did they get I it wrong, they did the exact opposite. Yeah, that made no sense. So <laughs> next one here, the ghost. This is the, I had so many problems with this. Like just this scene as as a whole, making me want to throw up, bro. <laughs> the ghost of Helena Ravenclaw never tells Harry the diadem is hidden in the castle. She never says, like, that weird, like, cryptic thing where, like, if you have to ask, you will never know, and if you know, you don't have to ask. Like, that never happened. She told him about how it was hidden in the tree in Albania, and Harry realizing himself that, oh, shit, Voldemort must have put this in here when he went to ask Voldemort for the Defense Against the Dark Arts job. But, on top of that, there's other things I have a big issue with as well. He says, you're the Grey Lady. And she's like, don't, I, uh, don't call me that. Like, I don't go by that name. Yes, you fucking do. <laughs> like, the whole book. Like, like he had to, like, she accidentally let slip that she was Helena Ravenclaw. She did, she said, my mother's diadem. And that's how he's like, oh, you're Helena Ravenclaw. She doesn't sit there and say, don't call me the gray lady. Call me Helena Ravenclaw. Like, that never happens. On top of the fact that it's not Luna that gives Harry the idea to go talk to Ravenclaw. It was actually, like, he had the idea. And he had to find nearly headless Nick. To go ahead and be like, yeah. hey, Nick, which is the... Because he didn't know who the ghost of, of Ravenclaw Tower was. He had no idea. So he nearly has this Nick. Who's the ghost of Ravenclaw Tower? And he pointed out the Grey Lady. He's like, oh, shit, the Grey Lady. But somehow in the movie, he already knew who she was, which is a big plot hole. <laughs> Can't do that in the movie. Because of the vision, like, so apparently. But he thought it was real. Yeah, it was... <laughs> it's all bad. So that really, you know, just her even calling herself Helena is a big mistake because she tried to keep it a secret and she accidentally like, let slip 
when she said her mother's diadem, and that's when Harry's like, oh shit, you're a hell in a Ravenclaw. Um, on top of that, uh, yeah, the I would say <laughs> in the movie, Ron tells Harry that he talks in his sleep, and that's how he learned the word for open and parcel tongue. Where in the book it states that Ron remembered it from when Harry opened the locket. So that's a big difference right there in and of itself as well. So I'll go ahead and turn it back over to you at that point. I just had a really big issue with that whole scene when he talked to Ravenclaw's ghost. It was all fucked up, all bad. Not one part of it was accurate. It was bullshit. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, so go ahead and go ahead and take it from there. Yeah, you bring up a really good point. Uh, I'm pretty much just piggybacking off of what everything you said. I mean, I did like, I guess, this part. It was kind of like a full circle moment for the film. Like, McGonagall was like, Harry. And he turns around and he goes, he just stares at her and she goes, it's, oh no, she goes, Potter, it's good to see you. And he's, fuck yeah. Like, he has that in his eyes, you know, the whole Harry Potter film style like i'm gonna fuck everything up and he just looks at neville and goes hold down the fort neville like when the fuck has neville ever been able to hold down the fort (laughs) just throwing that out there i didn't really have a problem with it though i was okay with it i thought it was okay i thought it was cool for mcgonagall though but um like and then you know the intense music plays right (laughs) but uh okay here's the issue i have so despite the fact they were <laughs> going up the wrong way <laughs> which he even says going the wrong ways they go Harry where are you going he goes the Ravenclaw common room gotta start somewhere but like you said he's going the wrong fucking way and how the fuck is he gonna get in there first of all so he's not figuring out any sort of plan um I, I didn't mind it like that they were like I didn't mind the fact that Ron and Hermione Hermione was like, you know, it was really Ron. He was brilliant and all that stuff. They were definitely trying to blow up the whole foreshadowing of what was going to, like, happen with their whole uh, relationship, right? I was okay with it. Um, I, I wasn't... I didn't mind it. But then when Luna, like, says his name on the stairs, and he was like... Uh, Harry, you turn around and listen to me right now. Oh, it's so bad. I was kind of ridiculous. I do like the fact that they were at least trying by showing the fact that she was a Ravenclaw, so maybe she had more knowledge on it. However, here's a problem I have. How would she even know <laughs> what Helena Ravenclaw looks like? And she was like, oh, there she is right there. At the same time, nearly headless Nick was in a couple of the films. So it takes two seconds for you just to put him in there. And, like, why? Why not? Like, he's a fucking ghost. Like, what's the big deal? I get maybe you couldn't get the actor. Okay, well, it's not the first time you've done actor changes. So just throwing that out there. And you made some pretty big ones. That's all I've got to say. Um, And then, I guess, the next one here. Uh, So, let's see here. I... Which, remember, at this point, though, at this part, because, of course, they're definitely adding to Hermione and Ron's story, which I didn't have really a big problem with it, because I liked the scene. I thought it was cool. But this was actually the part in the book where, remember, Ron mentions the house elves, and they have that big moment where Hermione throws down the basilisk fangs, throws her arms around him, 
and then kisses him right on the mouth. Well, keep in mind that, that that was also after they all got back together. In the movie at this point, it's just Ron and Hermione down there. But you're talking about when they finally come back together with like the Basilisk Fangs, they're all together in the room of requirement again. <laughs> like, so yeah, it was all I, bad. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, um, so that was way out of place. Yes. <laughs> um, the DA battle plan, that was really downplayed slash omitted. Like, remember when Jenny was like, uh, Luna will help you find the diadem and like interrupted Cho Chang. That wasn't in there. Um, and I don't know what this was about. Maybe I missed something. So I'm going to consult you on this. But Neville is like talking to McGonagall at a small moment about <laughs> blowing shit up. Like, I was like, what? Isn't he like a herbologist? <laughs> like, I don't know when he's been so fucking great at pyrotechnics. No, that was Seamus. Exi- Seamus was the one that was good at. That's why she says to Seamus, okay. I believe Mr. Finnegan has a certain proclivity that towards was it. pyrotechnics. Finnegan. So. That's it. Okay, you're right. Yeah, but you're right. 100%. Yeah, because it says, let me get this straight. Are you actually giving us permission to do this? And Neville goes, blow it up. And McGonagall goes, that is correct, Longbottom. Neville goes, wicked. But how on earth are we going to do that? McGonagall goes, how about you confer with Mr. Finnegan? As I recall, he has a peculiar uh, proclivity for pyrotechnics. So you are right. Just to reiterate (laughs) what you were saying. You're definitely right about that, 100%. But was that ever in the film? Or ever in the book, I mean? I don't recall that in the book at all. So there was something similar to that where she did need to blow up something. I'm trying to find it now that we talked about. Like, I, but it wasn't like that. And it wasn't. I don't even believe it was uh, with with Seamus and, and Professor McGonagall. I've got to find it. But uh, there definitely, I there was definitely a wrong something wrong with that. I'm gonna try finding it the best I can. But uh, yeah, let me go ahead and see if I can do that. And I'll I'll do that along the way. But go ahead and get to your next one. And I'll see if I can find it while I'm looking for it. Yeah. My next point actually is about this quote because Seamus says, I can bring it down, and McGonagall goes, That's the spirit. That's now the spirit? You go. Okay. <laughs> okay. And at the same time, too, is that like kind of their excuse for like not putting, like, which we're going to get to this later, your boy, like that whole scene? We won't even go into <laughs> thickness. They definitely didn't give him any justice. So <laughs> we'll get into that later. <laughs> but, uh,. Um, you know, like, was that their excuse for, like, the castle falling uh, and that whole thing they left out? I don't know. I did like this part, uh, and then I'm going to turn it back over to you. So this is when uh, Phileas goes, you don't know, you know we can't keep out, you know who, indefinitely. And McGonagall says, that doesn't mean we can't delay him, and his name is Voldemort, Phileas. You might as well use it. He's going to try to kill you either way. Uh, and then that's when she says, Pura totem locomotor. And then you have the big ass, like, armor statues that jump down with the axes, which is badass. And it jumps down one, two, three. And they're in, like, that kind of triangle there that looks almost like Ron when he was playing Wizard's Chest, followed by then more armies of suits of armor that are walking down the stairs that look just like. The students of Hogwarts, how Snape had them. <laughs> they were walking down step by step. And she goes, Hogwarts is threatened. Man the boundaries. Protect us. Do your duty to our school. And then she says, 
I've always wanted to use that spell. Uh, she's next to Molly. I thought that was a cool little change ad. Basically what they did here, if you forgot. Remember, Harry is the one that was saying, like, why does it matter? He already knows where I'm at anyways, because the name was tabooed. So I think they might have changed that line. But I do like that little kind of moment they gave McGonagall to show a little bit more of her personality. But the whole armor thing, that was statue thing, that was badass as fuck. The visuals were great. For 2000 and wherever the fuck this came out, 2017, <laughs> 10 years later, the village visuals badass. Felt like I was watching a Transformer movie at some part. That was pretty cool. <laughs> but uh, with that, I'm going to turn it back to you, Jay Nelly. <laughs> so... I went ahead and looked for that spot where she told them to blow up something. I couldn't find it, so maybe I just was, I was thinking about the movie. So she might not have even told anyone to blow anything up, to be honest. Uh, I just looked for that. But I do want to actually, since I was looking through that, I actually found another thing that helped uh, talk about my point that I made like just before you took that position where I took mine uh, right before I turned it over to you, was uh, on page 615, when I'm talking about like the ghost of Helena Ravenclaw, this is what he says. Uh... This isn't about trying to get better marks, Harry shouted at her. It's about Voldemort, defeating Voldemort, or aren't you in interested in that? And she could not blush, but her transparent cheeks became more opaque, and her, ho her voice was heated as she replied, Of course not. How dare you suggest? And he's like, Well, help me then. And her composure was slipping. It's not a question of, she stammered, My mother's diadem. Your mother's? She looked angry with herself. And finally she said, When I lived, I was Helena Ravenclaw. So, like, that was a big surprise and reveal. She didn't just say, I don't go by the Grey Lady. Like, yes, you did, dude. <laughs> like, you absolutely did. So that was a big <laughs> issue that I had with that. Um, like, but they had small ads. When you're talking about that Professor McGonagall part, she really did, like, say, uh, like, the, the Piero told him, like, locomotor and do your duty to the school. They did. Yeah. They, she did say that part, and yeah, the Gargoyles did do that. that. But, but like, she did have that little extra funny ad where she's like, I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> so, That's what I mean. Yeah, like, that just little like, ad at the end, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it was funny. It was cute. I enjoyed it. Whatever. But, uh, yeah, then going on here, here's something that I did appreciate that the film did. It actually showed the Death Eaters burning down the Quidditch field, and that was a nice addition. That was cool. Yeah. That was that badass. Was I wrote that down, too. That was awesome. Mm -hmm. Something that didn't happen in the books, but the movie took the liberty, and this is one yeah. of those few things I'm like, all right, good job, movie. You guys did a good job with that one. So, yeah. Um, and then here we go again, because when uh, finally Hermione stabbed the cup with the uh, Basilisk Fang... The movie depicts Voldemort and Harry feeling it when a Horcrux is destroyed, and that's literally not true. They don't feel it at all. So I thought that was something just to re-notate there. Uh, the movie shows Ron and Hermione kissing for the first time after they destroy the Horcrux in the Chamber of Secrets, where in the book it's after Ron expresses concern for getting the house elves out of the castle safely, and that's when she jumps on him lips on lips, and that's page 625 for reference. So, you know, that's I like to sometimes give the page numbers or times in the film where you can go ahead and read this or see it. So that way you know we're not just making this shit up. Like, these are actual differences. For some reason, the uh, directors or whoever cannot read the book. Like, I, I'll, give you, I'll give them the page numbers. So if they try, try to remake this, they can do a little bit fucking better. But uh, anyways, I thought this was another cool addition. The addition of Neville blowing up the bridge on the Snatchers, and he was running away from it, and the bridge started <laughs> to blow, and he barely made it back. Cool. I enjoyed that. That was fun. That was pretty nice. Um, my next, on my next page of differences here, we never got to see Grop fight any of the bad giants. That was a big, big yeah. moment. Like that was supposed to be like them bull rushing Grop, and it was supposed to be a pretty big thing. 
the Giants really didn't do shit. <laughs> like they, they made a whole like big thing of it in the books, and like they just really undersold the value of the Giants in the novel. And I mean in the um, film series. Uh, Crab, the actor, talked about changing actors. To your point, here's a full circle before I turn it back to you. They changed Crab's actor because <laughs> the real and the reason yeah. why and the reason why and I did look this up. Uh, the real actor who played Crab got in serious off-screen trouble with the law. So it didn't say exactly what it was, oh, but shit. so that's why uh, they changed his actor because he was in he was in big doo doo. But anyways, with that being said, I'll turn it back over to you and we'll keep this thing rolling. Didn't they change the other actor too though? Like it wasn't Crab and Goyle. It was, no, it was Goyle. Were... It was Goyle and Malfoy, but Crab the one that oh, okay. Crab was the one that was different. Yeah. Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah, that was very, uh, very interesting. Yeah, that's what it was. Okay, so yeah, Goyle um, definitely lost a lot of weight, though. <laughs> we'll no, he did. That. Yeah, he, he did. He sure that's did. what it was. Yeah, he he lost a lot of weight, though. Um, kind of going back here, just stepping a little bit before, just trying to catch up to you just a little bit here. I did think the protective enchantments like scene with Phileas Slughorn and Molly was awesome when they were uh, casting all the shield barrier charms and making that big shield barrier, I thought it was really cool, around Hogwarts. Um, as far as... So, Voldemort's army looked badass as fuck. I gotta give him props on that. When they were on the cliff with him, and then Bellatrix was, like, right next to him, Helena Bonham Carter always crushed it. Like, crushed it from the start of her role. No matter what they gave her to work with. <laughs> she did excellent. Uh, and Voldemort goes, they never learn. Such a pity. And the Death Eater goes, but my lord, shouldn't shouldn't we wait, my lord? And I love this part because I'm a big Daenerys Targaryen fan. And he goes, begin. <laughs> Shall we begin? Chase is such a yes. Oh Chase, yes, you shall, sir. Chase yes, is such a shall. big Daenerys fan that he can't even say her name correctly. That's how big of a fan Chase is. Daenerys. There, there's no <laughs> I U S. It's Daenerys, but <laughs> Daenerys, Daenerys. Uh, only I can say the extra Arius on the possible tongue. It's parcel tongue. <laughs> Can't even say parcel tongue correctly. There's an R in parcel tongue. <laughs> it's not parcel tongue. Pasty. There's no pas. It's parcel tongue. Yeah. Fuck it, whatever. <laughs> malice in the chalice. Cheers. I'm not using it. Just kidding. But I'm just giving a malice in the chalice. We need here. it. Anyway. Yeah, we hit about the halfway point in our differences here. So, yeah, it's about time for a malice yeah, in the chalice. Time for a little malice swig, man. We need it, man. This I think it's is- so funny on these differences episodes. Like, we'll be like, we need a drink, man. And then we'll go four hours in a book and be like, we're fine. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> we're good, bro. We're good. But yeah, we're doing some fucking differences. <laughs> Anyways, okay, so we'll say this. I thought Helena Ravenclaw's ghost was kind of cool where she was like, screaming a little bit. Kind of reminded me of Moaning Myrtle where she was like, you have no idea. Whatever she said, I was okay with it. I thought it was all right. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Galadriel in fucking Lord of the Rings, where she got really creepy and scary in Lothlorien, like, and then more will be power will be mine. (laughs) Like, she just, like, got, like, really scary, (laughs) like, looking. That's kind of what it reminded me of. (laughs) Oh, that was great. That's a little Easter egg for season two, everybody. That's right. (laughs) Man flesh. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Master gets tricksy on us. The 
filmy got Trixie on us. <laughs> Most definitely fucking did. Anyways, so I did appreciate this part. You didn't really like it. I didn't like this fucking part where, like, Ron says, he says the apostle tongue. I don't know what word he said, but he said something. And then Hermione, like, looks at him and he goes, Harry talks in his sleep. Have you noticed? And Hermione goes, no, of course not. And it was, like, irony that she she was being ironic, but it was just stupid because he could have just been like, I destroyed the locket, remember? That would have even, like, increased his, like, oh, shit. Like, he did destroy the locket. Like, I got the hots. You know, we're going into a bathroom together. Like, it's happening. But, no, he can't he fucking... Actually, it, it played into the, the book's roles really well because it showed how fucking stupid Ron is. <laughs> but, uh, all right, whatever. I'm going to let it slide, man. I got to give him his props. Even though I said, why the fuck would they do this? But it's okay. I did enjoy... Like you said, the visual of the Quidditch Stadium and Flames, that was amazing. Um, the Death Eaters, like you said, charging Neville and then him shooting the thing on the f- bridge and it collapsing, that was badass. Um, Neville always has to, for some reason in the films, has to have these like little quips. He goes, yeah, you and whose army? Uh, with the Death Eaters around, it was supposed to be like, you know whose army, but why like why did you need that but also but, okay. they, those guys weren't death eaters those were snatchers just for snatchers, clarification the ones at the bridge were yeah. snatchers yeah because it was uh, yeah, scabior yeah. he was like yeah. touching the thing and then stepped over like really slowly yeah i i don't know but i just don't understand the little quips like he's not here losers <laughs> but okay whatever <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go with it um i like this part that's where we disagree on some things, man. I thought it was badass. Like, seeing that basilisk skeleton where he pulled the thing out, it reminded me of, like, how Hardhome wasn't really in the show. Well, wasn't he really in the book? Like, it was Wound Wound that talked about it. It's kind of like that in the book. Like, now you actually got to see what happened in there. So my girl Hermione can have her part. And then they pull out the thing, and Ron goes, you can do it. And Hermione goes, I can't. Yes, you can. And then Hermione stabs it, stabs that goblet. This is where it gets a little out of control. But you got to give it some visuals. You got to give it something, right? To make it a little bit more intense. So he stabs the goblet with the basilisk venom. That was fucking awesome. And then it turned into, like, the mummy. <laughs> like, the water came everywhere for some reason. And then it had, like, the face of the mummy returns with Voldemort's face in it. Like, I thought they were going to drown, but they didn't drown. It just, like... I don't know where it went. Like, there was a shitload of water that just, like, evaporated. Like, I guess it went off to the sides where the snakes were. Almost like a the Disney Pirates of the Caribbean ride. Like, where, like, all the water's there on the sides. But you feel like you could just put your hand and it's, it's like, two feet of water. Two inches of water. I don't know where that was. But I appreciated it. I thought it was cool. And then this is that moment. You know, they had to have the moment sometime. So... Hermione runs up and just kisses him right on the mouth. Ron got what, you know, he's been working for the whole time. Hermione got what she was working for the whole time, ever since Half-Blood Prince. As far as the spell, uh, so I did think it was badass when Voldemort gets pissed. It's kind of ridiculous. But he casted that massive spell at the barrier, and it exploded. But the problem... uh, I have comes up in just a minute, so it makes a hole with the Elder Wand, 
But then the elder one, the most powerful one in the world, for making a barrier like cracks down the middle and the barrier breaks. And they try to play off like that's why the elder wand isn't working very well. Whatever. Like by this point, I just gave up on the film. Honestly, by this point, so I enjoyed that I got to see the basilisk scene, and I was very pleased with that. But from here, this is where it's just gonna be me. I don't want to say trash again. I'm gonna try to give him some points. But my word, man. Like, my word. Like, why? And that was... Do you realize how much it probably costed to make the visuals for that? Like, do you realize how much it costed to do that? Uh, but I did enjoy that Chamber of Secrets moment. I thought it was badass. We got to see the chamber back from all the way year two. Full circle moment there. Destroyed the goblet. It was awesome. Hermione got her point. So now you got all three that's destroyed Horcruxes that we got to witness. So that was great. Turning it back to you, Jay Nelly. Well, I'll just say this one thing because I, I gotta have you catch up with me because I right now I'm in the room requirement with Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle. But uh, one thing I will add, like say to that is the reason why I didn't really love the Chamber of Secrets scene with Ron and Hermione that much is because remember in the book and it was just a funny thing that Harry had said like when they start making out and he's like, "Hey guys, we have a war going on here. Can we like yeah. fucking like do this oh, at another cool. time?" And Ron's like. Hey, we might not have any opportunity left, you know. And I liked it better because it yes. became in, in the book. It was a full circle of like the house elf stuff that that Hermione was fighting yeah. for, that Ron picked on her for all throughout Galifier. Like they made fun of Hermione constantly. Mm -hmm. And then Ron comes around like, "Hey, let's get the house elves out of here because we don't want another Dobby on our hands." And that's when Hermione's like, yeah. drops the basilisk bang and jumps on his arms like and that. Like that, that, it makes more sense. It's a full circle moment. That's why you I needed agree. to have that in there. Like, okay, cool. They had a nice scene of water falling on top of them in the Chamber of Secrets. Fantastic. But anyways, <laughs> I'll let you go ahead and, and take it from here to catch up with me in the room requirement. Whenever you get to the room requirement, pass it back over, and I'll take it from there. It's a plan, man. Okay, so um, I thought it was badass watching the shield fall in flames around the castle. I thought that was pretty cool. kind of reminded me of, like, a, a geostorm or day after tomorrow. <laughs> like, I thought that was badass. It looked like volcanic ash of pieces of the castle. Kind of Game of Thrones-ish with the bells. Um, I thought it was badass watching Scabier, like I said, run across the bridge and all that, like you mentioned. Um, when the Battle of Hogwarts commences, you know, we did see that one moment with the giant. I thought that was cool. So, like, giants are, like, put in full-body bind curses. Um, spells are being shot at the armor statues. And then on the bridge, this is what I thought was cool, was like Death Eaters are flying towards Hogwarts everywhere like usual. But Flitwick is like running in between the suits of armor as the bridge. And the giant is like swinging a mace and like knocking them off the rows on the bridge as Flitwick's like running back towards the castle. So I thought that was pretty cool. I appreciated that. Um, and, you know, you did have a little bit of a moment with Arthur and Kingsley. Uh, Kingsley like shot it was very star wars with like mace windu like he shoots a death eater out the window like it freezes and shoots him out i thought it was cool and arthur like hits that one guy with this red spell um jenny then here we go this was cool finds harry but i don't understand like why they stopped in the middle of the stairs and like she kisses him in the book like remember this is when harry was like like you need to leave the room of requirement and then he was like, but please come back, come back. Instead, here, 
Like she like kisses him and Harry just goes, I know. <laughs> you know like, what do you know exactly? Now that you mentioned it, I have another problem with that what you just mentioned too about Kingsley and Arthur. Remember the plan mm. in the book? They were supposed to go to the grounds. Why the heck were they in the middle of the <laughs> corridors fighting these death heroes coming in through the windows? Like the big battle plan, I would see if I can find the exact page. Like Kingsley even You're said right. like, like they were gonna mm. go to the grounds and fight from there. Like they had they gave everyone their uh jobs and assignments. I'm actually gonna go ahead and, and read that just so that everyone can see what the yeah. <laughs> what the whole thing was right here. So this is what Kingsley says. We've only got half an hour until midnight, so we need to act for fast. A battle plan has been agreed upon between the teachers of Hogwarts and the Order of the Phoenix. Professors Flitwick, Sprout, and McGonagall are going to take groups of fighters up to the three highest towers, Ravenclaw, Astromony, and Gryffindor, where they'll have a good overview and excellent positions from which to work. Meanwhile, Remus, he indicated Lupin, Arthur, he pointed it towards Mr. Weasley, and I will take groups into the grounds. That's like that's one of the biggest things, like into the grounds. Like that's not in the school, guys. Yeah. That's on the grounds. And then obviously he finishes it up with saying, "We'll need we'll need somebody to organize the defensive entrances of the passageways into the school." And that's when Fred says, well, "That sounds like a job for Jordan, George and I." So uh, that's like what I'm saying there. Like that whole thing was cool, having like him pause him and throw him back out the window, but it just wasn't factual. <laughs> like we like the battle plan was not meant to be yeah. like that. They were supposed to take groups out into the grounds and stop them from entering the castle so anyways i'm sorry i I interrupted you but go ahead no i thought i thought it was great um yeah no you made a great point i just assumed they were going by their own battle plans (laughs) that's why i said it was a minute i just assumed they just did their own thing at this point i didn't even know it was the same book honestly from this point on (laughs) i did like this ad though i gotta give him props i thought it was cool because it made it make a little bit more sense uh they tried to fill in some plot like holes with it this was never really a plot hole um because it happened differently but i they tried to make up for what they already screwed up is <laughs> what they did in the film and ron and hermione uh here he goes take this then you know where to find me and ron and hermione take the marauder's map when he's <laughs> on the stairs which that's a big fucking problem because it was very different in the book but I think it was them trying to make up for what they already screwed up. What do you think about that? It has to be, right? Like, because uh, that just straight up didn't happen. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that just straight up, that just straight up didn't happen. So, uh, yeah, that, that was the issue I had. Is like, like he told, like I said, he, I said that a little bit ago. He told them the, like, Ron told, Ron Hermione told Harry the plan. And he's like, all right, well, here's a, like, Marauder's map. Come find me when you're done. It just didn't happen. <laughs> like, so, yeah, I don't know, yeah. man. I guess that might yeah, be In a, fact, yeah, yeah, sorry to interrupt you. No, nah, dude, I'm it. But, like, uh, that's it. I was just going to say, like, remember it was Harry that was looking at the Marauders map and couldn't find Ron and Hermione on it. Correct. In the book. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so just throwing that out there. So it was actually the entire opposite. Like, I don't know. I guess they were dyslexic and read it backwards, which dyslexia is not anything to make fun of. I'm just saying here. Apparently they were reading this like a manga and read it backwards to forwards because that doesn't make sense at all. I have no fucking idea. Um, as far as, let's take a look here. I'm almost caught up with you. So, like, I thought it was a cool ad. I'm trying to give them some points here. Like, the fairies in the room of requirement. I thought it was cool. The pixies, fairies. I guess they were pixies, right? So that was kind of a cool full circuit of a circle from Chamber of Secrets. I thought it was kind of cool. What'd you think about the pixies there? I thought they tried to say, ooh, look at these cool pictures while we fuck up the storyline. 
<laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Trying to give him points here, and it was very hard. It was harder than our magical creatures. I'll <laughs> just say that. That's the problem here. That's what it is. Like, it was harder giving them credit than it was giving Ron credit when we did a mouse in the chalice a couple weeks ago. Um, and uh, you already mentioned this. I didn't know who it was. But I said instead of Crab and Goyle with Draco, it's Goyle and Draco and then someone else. <laughs> it was just someone else. So, yeah, great point there. Um, I did think Bellatrix. Uh, well, we're not at that part yet. Let's see. So, let's see. So, yeah, I'll let you take over from here because now we're kind of yeah. at exactly where you were. I kind of caught up here. So, I'll let you take over, Jay Nelly. Perfect. So, big problem I have. In the movie, the diadem was in a jewelry box. Like, what the fuck was that about? <laughs> <laughs> like, that, was, that made no know. sense. Like, if you guys remember, it was where Harry left it on the stone warlock with the dusty wig. And if you guys want the page number to reference that, that's page 628 in the book. Uh, so, yeah, I, you just... All you had to do was just put it somewhere else. Why would you just have it in a jewelry box? I don't know, man. Um, whatever. In the movie, <laughs> this is one the part where they, they go ahead and uh, uh, Crab conjures the fiend fire, right? So in the movie, Harry made a quick water barrier between himself and the fiend fire at 1 hour, 1 minute, and 27 seconds. Why is that a problem? Well, in the book, it directly contradicts that on page 631, where it states, Harry used the Aguamenti spell, but the jet of water that soared from the tip of his wand evaporated in the air. It's a complete contradiction. Like, you can't, you can't put a water barrier to save yourselves real quickly in the movie, where directly in the books, you try to use Aguamenti and your water evaporates right from the tip of your wand. And so, uh, that's a contradiction. <laughs> like, you can't do it. <laughs> anyways. <laughs> anyways. In the movie, Harry stabs the diadem with the basilisk fang to kill the horcrux. He never stabbed it in the book, guys. If you remember, the fiend fire caused the diadem enough damage to where it was leaking a blood-like dark and tarry substance, and then it vibrated and broke apart in his hands. And if you want to know where that is, that's on page 635. It's important because we learn that fiend fire is another substance that can destroy horcruxes versus having the basilisk fang stab... The tiara, like it made no sense. The diadem, whatever you want to call it. So yeah, that was really stupid. Uh, so I had a problem <laughs> with that. Now going further, I don't know what boat dock the movie was trying to portray for when Harry goes inside Voldemort's <laughs> mind for his location. But in the book, it was Voldemort was at the Shrieking Shack, and if you want the reference for that page, that is page six forty two. There was no like fucking boat dock with. <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> like the hell that was doing, dude. It just and like the thing is, we've seen the shrieking shack before in, in Prisoner of Azkaban, so it's not like you have to do a whole new thing. You already have done it. Like, why in the hell would you just put Voldemort just chilling by this like wooden boat in the water, just tied up there? Uh, so yeah, big issue with that. Uh, here we go. This is a big difference, but I started as something I actually enjoyed. In the novel, it was Luna, Ernie, and Seamus who helped repel the Dementors. But the movie, it was Aberforth who single-handedly repelled a hundred Dementors with one huge Patronus. The only thing I didn't like about this scene was that the Patronus <laughs> didn't take shape. So, 
it was cool. I like the change. If you're going to do it like that, though, please let the Patronus take shape because you had no problem having the Silver Doe take shape. You had no problem showing Umbridge's Cat Patronus and the Ministry. But apparently, we can't get a Lynx Patronus from Kingsley Shacklebolt, and we can't get a Goat Patronus from Aberforth. So, whatever. It is what it is. And then the last thing, and it's fitting that I take this last one before I turn it over to Chase to keep going from mm -hmm. here, but they never show Fred's death in the movie. They never show the mm -hmm. wall blow apart. They don't show his body or Percy crying over it. Fred's death doesn't happen in the movie. Like, you see his body later on. I know I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but, like, when he goes to the Great Hall later on, you'll see Fred's body, but it doesn't show the actual death of Fred. So I don't understand why, if it's because you don't think it was appropriate to put on screen well, I don't know. You, you saw Pelotrix last movie throw a dagger through Dobby's heart, and that wasn't a problem. But apparently blowing up a wall and him getting crushed under the rubble or whatever the heck happened to him, like, you can't put that in the film? I don't get it, man. With that being said, I'll turn it over to you before I blow a gasket. <laughs> no, I agree with you 100%. <laughs> I agree with you 100%. Uh, kind of stepping back in time a little bit back in the room of requirement big problem i i don't mind the comedic relief like i don't mind it because i'm that kind of person like i don't have a problem i think it's funny i think that's kind of what makes this universe great too but there's also i do believe there's a time and a place <laughs> i believe there's a time and a place and one thing i had a problem with here was once again they're overselling ron and hermione's relationship ron like before he's chasing crab and goyle and draco and it gets like is running away from the fiend fire he goes, that's my girlfriend, you numpties. <laughs> I don't understand why. And then he, like, comes back running and is, like, screaming ridiculous <laughs> ad. It was absolutely dumb. I did like the way they kept doing the fiend fire where, like, he couldn't control it. Like, it was just going everywhere out of his wind. It was kind of ridiculous, though, because anyone knows when you cast that spell. Just, like, they did it actually really well. They this movie was horrible don't get me wrong but they did it really well as far as in the ministry of magic fight with the only one he ever feared with dumbledore and voldemort because he casted it and like turned it into that big serpent even though he could control it like it just showed it went everywhere like that almost like a bomb was exploding but he was like just standing there like just, like he couldn't control it but yet it wasn't like lighting any of him on fire like, I felt like he almost had that shield that Voldemort casted <laughs> to make sure, like, he didn't get hit by his own lasso. Even though he couldn't control it, he was just throwing shit everywhere. Uh, it reminded me of someone that was at a church camp that was pulling a prank that went everywhere, but still they got out Scott clean until what happens in just a minute. Uh, which brings up my big problem. Of course, you know. He actually dies when they see him outside and he's unconscious. I guess this is okay. I don't really care. It was definitely like a mummy moment with like the Scorpion King. <laughs> we like fell into the abyss, but he like, it was crab, right? Crab. That has to be So wire. yeah, yeah. You're oh, you're like, you're like 90% right. The one thing is this crab did die in the room requirement in the book too. It just didn't show it. So Goyle was okay, yeah, slumped yeah. unconscious when they pulled him out of the, the like, when they flew out of there through the broom, yeah. like they were like, like it's smoke inhalation and it caused like Goyle to kind of go unconscious a bit and, and Malfoy was out of sorts. He's like, crab. And then some Ron's like, he's dead. Like your, your dumb idiot yeah. friend is dead. Like he, he did exactly, die in the room requirement too. You just, we just didn't see it in the novel where the film 
Kind of gave us... So you can give us Crab's death, but you can't give us Fred's death? Go fuck yourself, film. Are you kidding oh, me? yeah, and, oh, and they tried to overblow Crab's death. Like, you saw, like, they implied that he, like, burned up by the fire. <laughs> they, like, implied. He was like, no! And they tried to catch him and hold him, but he couldn't. He just, like, plummeted to the abyss and burned up. Whatever. I don't really give a shit. Uh, so they can show I that, thought, but they can't show Fred's death. It didn't show it, but like it showed him. No, like no, no! Falling, I said right? no. You didn't hear what I said. I said no. Yeah, it did show it. It did show that. My fault. I, I have a okay. problem with it. Is that they showed? Oh, okay, gotcha. They showed Crab's death by falling into the fires below, but it couldn't be bothered to show Fred's death, an actual character we care about. That's what exactly. I have a big issue with that. But yeah, go ahead. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. We can change actors, and we still put his death in there, even though no one really even gave a shit about him when he was in Chamber of Secrets, <laughs> like the last one he was in. <laughs> the last one he actually played any sort of important role. <laughs> but, okay. Um, I, this is where I really have a problem with the whole special effects of Horcruxes, because like you said, remember in the book, it just, because of the fiend fire, it's leaking that blood-like substance, um, and it like breaks apart in here like once again voldemort's face like takes shape i felt like they like replicated the whole locket scene like but they tried to do it for every single horcrux like i don't know what the fuck it was but it was weird uh like the black tar from like a car busted out of a diadem whatever i'll be okay with it like i thought it was cool special effects i guess um let's see uh, I'm going to let you take over in just a second here, but this is kind of that moment I have um, where it go it feeds off your whole Fred and George thing. So, Thickness says, my lord, and Voldemort just, Voldemort just says, Avada Kedavra. <laughs> there goes Pius Thickness. <laughs> See you later. Avada Kedavra just fucking dies. You don't even really know its thickness, except for I do what Jay Nelly does now and watch it with captions, so I think about it a little more. And that's who it was. And you want to know a problem with that too? I don't. I didn't catch that myself yeah. that it was thickness. But the problem with that is that they were that Percy was supposed to be doing thickness, and that was one of the people. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Sorry, Minister, if you haven't noticed, I resigned." Yeah. Like, remember Percy had that moment like fighting the minister. So how the hell exactly. did Voldemort kill him way over outside of Hogwarts, man? Exactly. Uh, That's why I said it relates to because remember Fred was kind of like teaming up with Percy for a minute before the castle fell. <laughs> yeah, no, he's just, my lord. Avada Kedavra. All they fucking know is killing curses, apparently. <laughs> That's like the only spell he fucking knows. And he's like the he's the most powerful evil sorcerer of all time. <laughs> he only knows Avada Kedavra. Crucio? He doesn't even know Imperio. It's one of those two. You got a 50-50 shot with that guy. That's it. After you, man. I'll let you take over, Jane. Well, did you you got to the part with Aberforth with the Dementors as well, right? Did you have anything you want to add to that part? Let me uh, just check. The only other thing I had was so... Okay, so let me jump here real quick. So this is when Harry tells him, you know, it's the snake. She's the one. It's the Horcrux. So, like, all that happens... I thought that was kind of a, like, okay. Um, but your 
I thought it was cool watching the castle be destroyed as like Death Eaters were flying on brooms and stuff. You saw people flying on brooms. That was cool. They stupefy. This is a big point. So they stupefy Finnier Greyback, and this is what we were talking about last week. They actually show Lavender Brown dead. So I'm assuming she's dead <laughs> based on what it says on Pottermore. It shows it here. I mean, I think that's pretty much all the evidence you really need for that. Uh, and this is when I'm at, just like you said, Aberforth. I he pulled uh, Vegeta, even though he didn't die. There was like Baseka, Final Flash, whatever the fuck you want to do, and like this massive Patronus erupts, blast away all the Dementors that are rushing towards the castle. Thought it was badass, fucking awesome. But it doesn't take shape, so it really defeats the point because non-corporeal Patronuses aren't supposed to be powerful like that. So that's why I kind of have a problem with it. But I'll buy it. I thought it was a cool ad. I thought it was a cool ad because it showed, like, Aberforth. You can definitely tell training with Dumbledore and growing up with Dumbledore and feeling some kind of way. He's not exactly someone that's not capable of any power. So I thought that was good. But if you make the entire Patronus... And you made it for other people that don't even matter, like Umbridge. Why do you not make it take the shape of a goat? It literally says it in the book. I don't, I don't, I don't know. With that, back to you, Jay Noe. All right. So now we're kind of getting into the Shrieking Shack section. Mm -hmm. uh, the movie never gave Nagini the protective force field bubble cage thing. And why that's important is because of the manner in which Voldemort killed Snape in the movie. It showed Voldemort slashing the air, and Snape instantly start bleeding from the neck, and then he told Nagini to kill. Where in the book, he hovered Nagini's safety bubble over Snape's head, and made it so Snape could not remove it, and then made Nagini attack and, and kill him. And so the reason why that's all important, well, that, that whole thing is like they're keeping Nagini safe now because he's fearing for Nagini's life. You needed to add that in there. That's the whole point, especially when it comes down to like one of the memories where Dumbledore tells him, and I'm going to get into the memories in just a second, where Dumbledore says, when uh, the Dark Lord seems to fear for his the life of his snake, that's when you can tell Harry all of what I'm about to get into here. So that's what, that was a big problem. Um, I also thought this was pretty interesting. Uh, I don't know if, which I liked better. I think I liked the books better because it made it more suspenseful, but the movie has Snape say, you have your mother's eyes before dying. Where in the book, he just says, look at me, which to me is more suspenseful. And I appreciate it because at that point in time, even from those last words, you couldn't tell why he wanted Harry to look at him. And then we learn through the Pensieve mm -hmm. why he wanted Harry to look at him because he has Lily's eyes. Where in the movie, he just says, you have your mother's eyes. You're like, oh, okay, got it. You love Lily. Cool. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? So it's just not very suspenseful. Didn't really like hold up to me, in my opinion. Yeah. But, it, dude, this movie had Snape's memories all screwed up. Number one, it omits where we find out Aunt Petunia tried to write a letter to Dumbledore to let her come to Hogwarts as well. It omits where Snape got mad at Petunia and broke a tree branch with magic and fell on her shoulder. It omits the Hogwarts Express ride where Snape, Lily, James, and Sirius were all sitting in the same compartment in their first year. It also omits where Snape admits to Dumbledore that he asked Voldemort to save Lily and just kill Harry. But... The movie decided to add Snape going to Godric's Hollow on the night Lily and James died and caress her dead body, which never happens in the books. <laughs> also, the, the movie. 
But that's so weird. Like, you just go into this house where, like, this girl's husband is laying dead at the floor below. You're like, ah, let me walk over him real quick. Let me just walk into this house as a stranger. Just hold your dead body, Lily. It's okay. It's very fucking weird. Anyways. Also, the movie leaves out the part where Dumbledore tells him that once Voldemort fears for Nagini's life, that's when Snape can tell Harry everything. Also, the movie omits Dumbledore's portrait talking to Snape and how the real sort of Gryffindor was behind his portrait the whole time. Also, 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 it omits Phineas Nagellus telling Snape when he overheard Hermione say her and Harry were in the Forest of Dean, which, if you guys have followed along with us in the novel portion, that's exactly how he knew where to put the sword of Gryffindor and send the Doe Patronus. So, apparently none of that was important to the movie. Uh, and then, here we go. The movie really fucks this up. It shows Harry telling Ron and Hermione that he is going to the forest to give himself up. In the book, it makes a point to say that he didn't see Ron or Hermione intentionally before going to the, uh, the forest. He instead, under the invisibility cloak, uh, got, got Neville's attention and told him to kill Nagini. So if you guys want to know where that is, that's on the last paragraph of page 693. Let me go ahead and read it to you guys so you can see how big of a fuck-up this was. I mean, at this point, we probably shouldn't be surprised, right? But it says, Ron and Hermione seemed a long way off, like in a far-off country. He felt as though he had parted from them long ago. There would be no goodbyes and no explanations. He was determined of that. This was a journey they could not take together, and the attempts they would make to stop him would waste valuable time. You just heard me read that word for word from the book, but in the movie... He literally goes, he tells them, I'm going to give myself up. Like, what in the fuck? <laughs> that's just, it's, it's inexcusable. It's a direct contradiction. It's not even, like, to your point, it's not even the same story anymore. So, anyways, uh, in the movie, this is not a big difference, but it's one that I did notate. The movie, Harry says, I'm ready to die to open the snitch. But in the book, it's actually, I am about to die. If you guys want to know where that's referenced at, it's on page 698. And then, last one. No, give me two more and I'll turn it over to Chase. Remember, if you guys have stuck with us, we mentioned this a few times. Lily and James were only 21 years old when Voldemort killed them back on Halloween. Way, many, many years ago. They were only 21 years old. So why do they look like they're in their mid-40s in the, in the movie? Like, if you look at James and Lily, the ghosts of James and Lily, they look like they're 42 years old. They're supposed to be 21. They are 21 <laughs> years old. Go do the research, anybody. Especially people who get paid to make movies could really just take the time to Google how old was Lily and James Potter, and it would tell you 21. So, I don't understand that. And the last one I have here, and this is going to, not for the whole movie, of course, but the last one I have before I turn it over to Chase, is the movie fucks up again at one hour... 30 minutes and 21 seconds it shows Harry confront Voldemort with <laughs> Harry's wand in his hand. In the book it makes a perfectly good point to say he put his wand in his pocket so as not to be tempted to use it because he needed to die defenselessly. He never was supposed to go see Voldemort with his wand in his hand. It's another direct contradiction to where it changes everything. You're supposed to die fully accepting it without even trying to fight back. Your wand is not supposed to be in your hand. Yeah. It says in the book that the wand was put in his pocket so he wouldn't draw it and be tempted to fight. So, anyways, with me going off the rails there, I'll turn it back over to Chase. Maybe he can calm us back down a little bit. But this shit gets me fired up, man. 
He still got me with the whole necrophilia thing. <laughs> yeah, you know dude. what's sad about that though? Is that's really like an iconic scene that people still recognize today, but no one thinks about. <laughs> Even worse, because remember where Sirius described, he was like the first one on the scene after all that, which is then how he got blamed for like a lot of shit. <laughs> that means he creeped in there after everyone was examining the body. <laughs> after everyone was examining the bodies and be like, oh, fuck you, James. Oh, <laughs> he's like, Ooh, finally, finally, <laughs> finally, our moment is here, Lily. <laughs> Our moment together. Fuck you, James. No, James needs to watch this. Oh, oh. <laughs> we are explicit, guys. Don't forget that. This is what you get on the you get the old school episodes on the differences because the writing fucking does it to me, man. The fucking writing was atrocious for this film. A hundred percent. It was fucking bullshit. <laughs> I gotta say this. <laughs> I, I Alan Rickman's amazing though. Like no matter what you give him, the fucker was. Uh, stick my wand in there to Alan Rickman. I still remember when he died. It was awful. Uh, I remember he's a badass. Uh, he played uh, the badass in Die Hard. That was the bad guy. Like no matter what you give him, he is phenomenal. Even though I, I got to give Daniel Radcliffe props. Like I thought he acted out the scene really well. Like the acting was good in the scene, which is what I think it makes iconic. The problem is, apparently they don't know what butter is, and they definitely don't know what fucking bread is, because they smeared it awful. <laughs> it was absolutely atrocious the way it played out. He crept up there, was getting all fancy-pantsy on the bodies, <laughs> necrophilia-style, holding her, oh, fuck you, James. And then uh, I did like this little moment there where he said, you have her eyes. But, like, you could have done it the way in the book, but I... You have her eyes. Like, I had... It was definitely very... He definitely was a lot more downplayed. I guess they downplayed it where the cage didn't fall on his head like in the book. So he could say these iconic lines. <laughs> but uh, I was okay with it. Like, I didn't mind it. It wasn't something I hated very much. But I think you nailed that. Um, as far as... Though when he says, tank them to the pensieve... Uh... I don't recall him saying that, and I read it. Did he say that in the book? Exactly. Here's my fucking problem with that. He knew he was studying fucking occlumency and all this shit with Dumbledore. In fact, it's in the book, in the memories of Snape, where, like, Dumbledore was telling him he was having lessons with him. So, like, why would he not think he knows what to do with that? Like, how would he think he doesn't know what to fucking do with that? So, like, why would you even need to say it? I did like the way it kind of came out of his eyes like tears. I thought it was creative. That's all I can really say about that scene. Uh, even more like the boat thing. I don't know. Which, you know, I'm kind of a Twilight guy. There's a scene that, uh, the, you know, Robert Pattinson, I actually said it right this time, did uh, in the Twilight movie that came out like a year before this. And in that film... There was like a boat area like this. I think what they did was they just swapped sets to save money. <laughs> I don't know what they did. But the director was like, ooh, I really like that movie that Robert Pattinson did. And was kind of reminiscing on Cedric. Full circle moment. He's like, 
fuck the Shrieking Shack. We don't need any full soaker moments here. Like fucking Lupin and Sirius. Fuck that. Snape is a big boat rider. He always loved freshwater plimpies. <laughs> That's exactly what they decided. And they put them in a fucking attic with boats. I don't know what the fuck it was, but it was strange. If I were Snape, I would have tried to drown Voldemort in that fucking lake. Anyways, um, the Pensieve scenes, you've hit on that. We don't need to harp on it anymore because it was absolute garbage and it's just going to piss me off. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. It's my, one of my favorite parts in the book and it's just going to make me mad. <laughs> in the words of Wedding Crashers, I'm not going to eat with you. I'm going to recharge my batteries and then... Be ready to get some ass. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, as far as... Uh, then I'm getting to the point of... Like, right where you are, and I'm going to let you take over. You hit the part where it said, I'm ready to die. You add that 100%. I did appreciate the forest scene, I guess. Uh, with the ghost there. That was really cool. I wish it kind of would have shown more of the Dementors in the forest. Like, that would have been really cool. But it was a really emotional scene. I did like how you got to see, you know, the actor that plays Sirius there uh, as well again. So that was really cool. And kind of the, uh, you know, kind of those full circle moments. Um, but big difference in the book. Harry follows Yaxley and Dolohov, <laughs> like under the invisibility cloak. Here he just like walks walks out of nowhere, I guess. Like he just shows up and says, hi, I'm Harry. I wore my name tag today. <laughs> yeah, so, which has been a big problem this entire time through this entire franchise. Whatever. Uh, they're making their own story at this point, so I'm fine with it. But back to you, <laughs> Jay Nelly. To your point, dude, like I, and I've said it many times, they hate the invisibility cloak. They think that sucks, <laughs> so they don't put that on anytime. But uh, to go into what happens, you know, after... They follow Dolohov and Yaxley into the clearing, which is supposed, was supposed to happen in the in the book anyways. It doesn't happen in the film. Like you said, he just knows where to go, apparently. Uh, and he does end up getting killed by Voldemort, or like killed, quotation marks. And we get to that weird spot where it's kind of like King's Cross. I call it that purgatory. Like, in the book, Harry asks if he's dead. And Dumbledore tells him, like, I don't have the exact quote, but basically tells him no. He's like, no, on the whole, I think not. And I think the fact that you didn't try to defend yourself will, made a, will have made all the difference. Well, in the movie, he just knows he's not dead and he knows he can go back to Hogwarts. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> like, he just automatically knows it. Interesting. Uh, this is another big problem in this little purgatory. Dumbledore doesn't explain basically anything to Harry. But we're talking about the movie. In the movie, while they're at King's Cross in the book... Dumbledore goes into full-out detail about the Hallows, his family stuff, that the movie basically omits in its entirety. Like, why... He also tells Harry why his wand did and acted the way it did the night he broke Lucius's wand. He tells Harry about his friendship with Gellert Grindelwald and why Dumbledore waited so long to fight him. He tells him why he refused the Minister of Magic position, why he tried to put Gaunt's ring on. The movie leaves all of that out. <laughs> like, none of that is in there at all. Like, you might as well not even had this little King's Cross Station thing. You, you find out nothing other than the fact that, like, yeah, I guess I gotta go back. Like, what the fuck, man? Um, <laughs> anyways, to continue on here, in the movie... And you brought this up, and I found it hilarious. But in the movie, Neville just randomly finds a sorting hat in the rubble, and the sword just appears. <laughs> okay. Where in the book, 
We know Voldemort summons it, declares there will be no more sorting, and with magic, force the hat onto Neville's head and set it on fire. And if you guys don't believe us, go ahead and find that on page 732 in the book. So, um, three more, and I'll turn it back over to Chase's. The movie leaves out where Hagrid calls out to the centaurs for not taking a part in the battle. And when the battle recommences, when they finally do jump in and join the Hogwarts forces. That's fully omitted. That apparently wasn't important at all to put into the film. Uh, the movie has Voldemort and the Death Eaters picking on Neville. When in actuality, in the book, Voldemort is friendly towards Neville at first. Before Neville defies him. He even says, but you are a pureblood, aren't you, my brave boy? You show spirit and bravery, and you come from noble stock. You will make a very valuable Death Eater. We need your kind, Neville Longbottom. That's on page 731. So how are you going to have them all just like ragging on him and picking on him like, ha 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 ha, Neville, you're so stupid. The book literally even tells him that Voldemort like actually valued Neville because he's a pureblood. That's a complete contradiction. It makes no sense. Um, last one, I'll turn it over to Chase here. The end battle is all wrong. Voldemort is supposed to be battling Kingsley, McGonagall, and Slughorn, while Bellatrix is supposed to be fighting Hermione, Luna, and Ginny. This never happens in the movie. In the book, Harry doesn't have a back-and-forth wand duel, like the movie shows, at 1 hour and 44 minutes. This is so important because when they do square off for the final time, talking about Harry and Voldemort, in the book, Harry is educating and humiliating Voldemort about all the things he got wrong, which is crucial to the plot line, which of course is not shown in the movie. Like, remember they're circling around each other and, and Harry's sitting there trying to educate and tell Voldemort all the things that Voldemort missed and how many he got wrong and like how he was, you know, he ended up screwing himself over basically. The movie just leaves all of that out. The movie said, no, not important at all. We're just going to go ahead and have them at the top of this tower. You know, we'll grab faces. We'll trade faces a little bit. We'll start this how we... And we'll end this how we started it together. Like, what the fuck is this shit, man? So, it just... That's another thing. that The, the end battle was all wrong. Like, it, it was not supposed to be what they showed in the movie. There was much more to it that, I guess, the movie thought wasn't important enough for us to watch on screen so with that being said i'll turn it back over to you to catch up to where we're at with this end battle then we still got a few more but uh i'll go ahead and get it over to you and you'll take us through where you'll catch up with me here it's so astonishing i almost don't even know what to fucking say (laughs) like it's so astonishing honestly at this point i feel like the reason jk rowling allowed this was they had already fucked it up so bad with the ring and everything they left out at king's cross she was just like fuck it do whatever you want <laughs> like it's making me a shitload of money like whatever i don't even give a shit at this point <laughs> that's what i literally feel like she was like like so much for consulting her like i don't even think she gave a fuck like just end it however you want whatever i got my two theme parks Go fuck yourself in the process. Hand me my money. <laughs> Bitch gonna get my money. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Anyways, um, uh, even to the smallest thing, and this isn't that big of a deal. And so in the book, remember, like, he wakes up naked at King's Cross and robes are conjured. Like, he wakes up with clothes on. I'm okay with that. I, yeah, you, could, you probably it's can't a, show nudity. <laughs> you can't show nudity in a PG-13 movie. So I understand yeah, why I did that. I'm okay with that. Like, that makes sense. Um, I did think the bloody creature of Voldemort was really good. Like, that was very similar to the way they did it in the Goblet of Fire film. Um, so I thought that was really cool. I thought uh, Albus and Harry, so Daniel Radcliffe and whoever the other guy is, 
<laughs> I thought they did well. I thought they did well for the scene. Like, no complaints. I thought they did well. Um, As actors, sure, but they missed, like, like the director missed all the important aspects oh, yeah. of it. <laughs> like, exactly. Like, the writing was atrocious. Like, oh, I, 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 I wrote an entire paragraph about that, but I just figured you'd hit that on the head, so I wasn't cool. going to go there. Because right. it's... <laughs> Good it's shit. just gonna piss me off <laughs> it's just gonna piss me off that's all i'm gonna say um i did think uh the actor did well that plays narcissa when she asked if draco was alive so they did that part really well um but harry doesn't breathe back yes but of course you can't really do that because you want to kind of give the illusion i guess that maybe he doesn't because they wanted to increase the suspense i'm okay with it um you already hit the well, he nodded he, he nodded imperceptibly so for those in there, like instead of saying back yes, like she asked if Jake was alive, he like really like barely nodded his head, like kind of gave her a little yeah. nod in the movie. So he confirmed right. that he's no. alive, but just not with his confirmed words. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, being realistic about it, you would have thought maybe like he was still alive. He's alive. He's alive. What'd you say? What'd you say? And then everyone's like, what the fuck? This fucker's alive? Vodka And then fucks up the whole shit. So that causes another problem. Whatever. Uh, you would have thought she wouldn't have been scared. Oh my gosh, you moved. <laughs> Whatever, anyways. Um, I did like this little scene Neville had. I'll read this. He says, I would like to say something. It doesn't matter here he's gone. People die every day. Friends, family, yeah, we lost Harry tonight, but he's still with us. In here. So's Fred and Remus and Tonks. All of them. They didn't die in vain. But you will, because you're wrong. Harry's heart did beat for us. For all of us! <laughs> he, like, charges them. <laughs> I was okay with it. Whatever. I didn't have a problem with it except for the fact, like, I guess he went surging around for dead bodies in the castle because he knew exactly who was dead. <laughs> okay, so you didn't make it. You didn't make it. You didn't make it. Haul out your dead. Bring out your dead. <laughs> oh, fuck you, Neville. Fuck you. <laughs> Excuse my language. <laughs> fuck you man no one liked you anyways ever since my girl Hermione claimed Patricia casted Patrificus Totalis on yes <laughs> your ass can stay right where you belong in the Gryffindor common room you're lucky you were sorted <laughs> that's all I gotta say about that <laughs> anyways uh, uh, of course you know in the film you brought this up earlier instead of taking off the invisibility cloak you know instead of being on the ground like he like hops out of hagrid's arms and like runs away all right <laughs> kind of what the fuck <laughs> moment but i'm okay with it uh voldemort like it was this very goblet of fire-esque moment which i we didn't rank that one very high either remember like he runs off in the book though in goblet of fire which is cool remember like he runs off and he was shooting his spells at him and he hid behind the angel and all that stuff well and here is kind of similar, which is kind of cool, but kind of ridiculous. Like, he was running behind, like, the bridge. And, like, Voldemort is shooting all these, like, fire spells. Uh, by the way, apparently we don't mutter any incantations anymore. Like, we just, like, do nonverbal magic all the time. <laughs> just kind of throwing that out there. I don't think I... I think I've heard maybe, like, 
one spell murmured the entire film because we don't do that after year five apparently when we can start learning nonverbal magic apparently we're just fucking masters at it <laughs> apparently i don't know even though it's neville longbottom and he's never been able to make a corporeal patronus so um just throwing that out there whatever with that i'm gonna send it right on back to you shoot a fire spell right on back to you jay nelly it's funny that you turn it back over to me at that point in time because uh, this is another problem you, we, we have with this book. Or, I'm sorry, not with this book, with this movie. The Elder Wand is not supposed to be able to do any spells at all against Harry. That's a huge reason this movie fails. It pays no attention to the details or nuances of the plotline. Why is the Elder Wand not supposed to be able to use any spells against Harry? Because Harry is the true Elder Wand's master. Remember what ends up happening in the fucking actual right. contents of the novel, the real thing, when at the exactly. final time where he educated Voldemort enough, he shot that thing at Harry, and then all of a sudden, like, the wand flew out of Voldemort's hand, rebounded upon him, and Harry caught it. The Elder Wand is not able to use magic against its rightful master. And that's why this is all fucked up. It's not supposed to be able to do that. Um, I'm actually just going to go ahead and take the rest of the differences I have throughout the movie, and I'll let you do the same afterwards. Cool. Um, Works apparently... Yeah, apparently Molly Weasley explodes Bellatrix into a million little pieces. I guess that was a that was a cool thing to, for them to do. <laughs> or in the book, she just hits her with a curse and she dies. It like stops her heart basically. But no, in the in the movie, let's go ahead and just drum the drama up a bit and make her explode into a million pieces. That's okay. Um, yeah, uh, we kind of we touched on this just a bit, but I don't know what the whole jumping off the ramparts and exchanging faces was all about. That was interesting in the movie. <laughs> like, that was, don't, don't, don't remember that at all in the book, but I guess maybe I put, uh, maybe I had my blind glasses on and couldn't see it. I don't know. Um, here's what I, this, here, here's like the last thing I thought was better about the movie than the book. There's not very many of those times, maybe like three times throughout a two hour span, but I did like how it was harder to kill the snake in the movie than in the book and i loved yeah. the scene where neville swung that sword that was a badass but remember like in the in the book this is one thing i'll give the credit to the film that was super it was much more climatic in the film than it was in the novel in the novel he just takes off the sword of like the, had the hat and had pulled yeah. the sword and just immediately kills it once that like yeah. spell of the fire came off his head like like it wouldn't hold he took it off he had the sword and immediately slashed it through the air as the centaurs were coming in the giants were racing at each other and it yeah. said like no one could hear it but everyone's eyes were fixated on it how neville was immediately cut off the head of the snake so it happened so quickly that we almost didn't get to appreciate how hard it must have been to kill nagini the snake being another horcrux where in the film they remember they tried to kill Nagini at first and the sword got knocked out of Neville's hands and it was a hole back and forth and it almost killed Ron and Hermione. That part never really happened in, in the novel, but I like what they did with it in the film. They made it more dramatic. They made it to show the, the difficulty it would take to kill Nagini as the last and one of the strongest Horcruxes. So I did appreciate that. Uh, the last three differences that I have through the remainder of this uh this film, if you want to call it the Harry Potter film, or if you want to call it its own film, I don't know. But either way, um, <laughs> I don't know what was up with that whole Thanos snap disintegration thing. The book literally says that <laughs> they moved Voldemort's body out of the Great Hall. And if you don't believe me, it says that on page 745. And if you want, I'm going to go ahead and, and just read it for everyone. For so it. maybe, I know it's very, very hard to read sometimes. I don't know. I can't really... Uh, really relate to how you get this wrong but here it is 
They moved Voldemort's body and laid it in a chamber off the hall, away from the bodies of Fred, Tonks, Lupin, Colin Creevy, and 50 others who had died fighting him. Sounds to me like they still had his body. Where in the uh, film, it was like <laughs> Thanos snapped his fingers and he just dis disintegrated away into dust. Made no damn sense. Got it all wrong. And it fucked up the plotline, like usual. Anyways, next one I have is you would think that the differences would end there. But nope. In the movie, <laughs> Harry snapped the Elder Wand in half and never repaired his own <laughs> wand. So I guess movie Harry is stuck with Draco's <laughs> wand forever. He never gets his Holly and Phoenix Feather wand back. Nope. He snapped the Elder Wand in half and says, I'm good with the Hawthorne wand. I'll just keep Draco's forever. No, it's all fucked up. In the book, he doesn't break the Elder Wand. He actually talks to Dumbledore's portrait about what he's going to do with each of the Hallows. Remember, he said he's going to keep Ignotus Peveril's gift, which is the Invisibility Coat, and Dumbledore's like, yeah, it's your right. And he said, I'm going to leave the Resurrection Stone where I dropped it in the forest. Nobody knew it was there, so I'm going to keep that there. And I'm going to put the Elder Wand in its place that it was, like, it's, it's a place before I, had, I found it, which is Dumbledore's tomb. So it told you what he was going to do with each of the Hallows right there in the book. I don't know why he decided he's just going to snap the bitch in half, number one, without even repairing his own wand first. He's like, ah, dude, I don't even care about my wand. Fuck my wand. Remember in the book, it was so hard on him. Like, he thought he lost another form of protection. Like, another, like made him feel, like, weak and defenseless <laughs> not having his own true wand. So, movie Harry doesn't have a wand. Or if he does have a wand, he just uses Draco's forever and ever. But, so, <laughs> that's all fucked up. And then, the last thing I have, I do think the 19 years later part was fine. Except it didn't show James picking on Albus. And I've never once seen Lupin and Tonks' kid in the movie. And in the book, he's caught kissing Bill and Fleur's daughter. So I thought those were just two little things. Like, James picking on Albus was really detailed a lot. And at any point in time, no part during any of the films did we ever see Lupin and Tonks' kid. Right? His name's Teddy Lupin. We never saw him. And, we, and like, it even detailed that he was kissing Bill and Fleur's cousin... Or, I'm sorry, Bill and Fleur's daughter, Victoire... And that doesn't show that in the film either. So apparently, they really don't give a fuck about Lupin and, and Tonks' kid. Never appears, never really is mentioned much at all. I guess they don't give a fuck about him. But that is my final difference for the differences between Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows, the novel, and Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows, part two, the film. And I guess I should detail it was chapter 25 onwards. So I'll let you go ahead and take the rest of your differences and then... We'll kind of close up shop with what we thought about on a scale of 1 to 10 for the novel and 1 for 10 through the film. And we'll get out of there here until uh, we give him one final ride next week. Get out of there, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get out of there, Harry. <laughs> Anyways. Um, <laughs> uh, by the way, you brought up a good point. Uh, I'm not quite there yet, but it, as far as that vlog goes in the want, because they see Draco in the film with like his new wife, you would have thought you would have been like, bro, like give me that <laughs> fucking wand back. <laughs> like, what the fuck is wrong with you? That wasn't yours to keep, man. <laughs> like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> so, yeah, just throwing that out there. Um, in the film at one point, I forgot when it was, but during the battle, I remember Tonks and Lupin before they die have like that kind of moment, like <laughs> they almost were like touching each other's hands. They were getting handsy, as I call it. Getting handsy with Pansy Parkinson. Oh, yeah. Getting hands. <laughs> Girl, the way you move it got me in a trance. Oh, yeah, that's right. Anyways, 
Uh, so, where were we? He was shooting the fire spells. This is a big problem I have. I brought it up to you. So, in the film, I feel like all they did was fight on fucking staircases. Like, everywhere they went. Like, it was Ron and Hermione on the staircase against the snake. Harry was in between Voldemort and the snake on the staircase. Even though he's running up the staircase, Voldemort apparates in front of Harry. So, he's caught in between the snake on the staircase. And I guess this was, like, their tribute to Albus was they run all the way up to the fucking astronomy tower (laughs) like why please explain i don't even know if you can get to the astronomy tower from like the main staircase and like near the great hall (laughs) like i don't even know if that's possible i guess it is because the staircases according to the film like change (laughs) you know i have no idea i'm gonna let them have it though but in the book remember like just like you said he can't even cast the spell and then because harry died he had that whole love shield over everybody there so he was voldemort was supposed to be useless but instead he's just blasting everything away dropping buildings on people i don't even know what the fuck he's doing man and then uh they get all the way up to the astronomy tower just like you were saying and this is when uh you know he goes i don't know why but he goes let's finish what we started tom together and this is like a really iconic line today which really makes no sense to me why everyone likes it but then they jump off the tower and like their faces are merging which i guess is supposed to be like the writer's tribute to harry's scar as they're like flying because he can fly and he's running into buildings i felt it was like that whole dragon ball z moment and they're like ah and then they land and by this point, of course, you've had Neville chop the head off the snake that was running at, you know, Hermione and Harry that was on the stairs as Harry was going to, like, stab it with the bat, or Ron, I mean, not Hermione and Ron. Harry's been, you know, you know, been trying to play the field with uh, Hermione in part one where he was trapped in that little Tinsky with her, but now Hermione's running off in bathrooms, you know what I'm saying? Anyways, uh, but uh, you got uh, fucking Ron, like, drop the basculus thing, and it, like, dissolves or something. I don't know if it, it was, like, hit with the spell and, like, evaporated. All right, whatever. I'm cool with it. I guess we like the Thanos snap. <laughs> like someone has the fucking gauntlet. I swear. I want to know. Who the, I want to. I want to fucking know. <laughs> I want to fucking know who fucking has it. Then uh, I did like that point. Just like you said, Neville chops the head off the snake as it lunges with its fangs at Hermione. Uh, which of course that has that all terrified moment for the audience because, of course, you know Emma Watson. We don't want anything to happen to her. She's the face of the franchise. Let's be real. Let's be real here. <laughs> That's the reason they went anywhere in these films. And then cut the hell off the snake. <laughs> and then, then we have that big moment in the courtyard. <laughs> the courtyard is the new great hall, apparently. And they're there, and then just all of a sudden you have the the moment that's supposed to be from the book. Avada Kedavra, Expelliarmus, but we don't mutter incantations anymore. So we're just shooting random fucking spells. And we got the red versus the green because it's Christmas all fucking over again. Just like the book, 
but we really want to show the red and the green. So we explode that shit. I'm talking, we explode it like Hiroshima and Nagasaki. No offense, everybody. No offense. Just making a reference. But it takes over the entire fucking courtyard. Entire courtyard. It looked like the Super Bowl. The Tom Brady Tampa Bay Super Bowl of 2021 this year. That was the fucking biggest shit I've ever seen in my life. It was the Jay Nelly description of the rewrite from Game of Thrones with Drogon versus Viserion. Where they basically blast each other back, but they're so fucking powerful. It doesn't blast them back. Voldemort's just sitting there. He's just sitting there. But because the blast was powerful or something, it was like powerful enough. Where then he just, like, starts evaporating. Because someone, <laughs> Dobby from the fucking grave, had another crack. <laughs> he just, like, he has that that face as if you stabbed a fucking vampire. As, as if Scrimmageor stabbed a vampire at that fucking party. He was just moaning there. He's moaning like the little bitch that could. And then Harry was sitting there. He was like, yeah, fuck yeah, I got you, bitch. This fight is mm-hmm. over. It, that's an improv. He didn't exactly say that. PG-13. But it was absolutely ridiculous. It was the d- dumbest thing I've ever heard. Um, then we're going right to where you say. He snaps the wand. All right. Fine. I, whatever. Dumbledore's portrait is never even in here. <laughs> so Dumbledore's portrait, I never saw it one time. Just throwing that out there. Uh, he never had to say the password to get into Dumbledore's office. Just throwing that out there, the password was Dumbledore, but we don't say. Well, uh, in the anymore. book, in the book at that point in time, remember he just walked to the gargoyle and said, like, "Can we go up?" And he said, "Just go." Like he was already like broken down oh, at that yeah. point in the just book. Just go. So yeah. no, yeah, I mean yeah. from the beginning with the pin seed. I know, I know what you're it. talking about. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. They never had to say the password there, but. Uh, even at this point, right where you are right now, like they didn't have to put the password because like Gargoyle was like destroyed. <laughs> He's like, are we allowed to go up? He's like, do what you want. I'm broken here on the ground. <laughs> like, oh, definitely, a hundred percent. And then you know, at this point, <laughs> at this point, the last one I have after that is you know, of course, Ron doesn't mention like he took his Muggle driving test. Um. But, like, as they're standing on the bridge, just to read this, I wasn't even going to read it, but Ron goes, it's the Elder Wand, most powerful wand in the world. With that, you'd be invincible. And then Harry, like, breaks the wand off. And everyone's just like, what the fuck? And he's like, yeah, no one should have it. Like, okay. Um, and then the scene ends. I thought this, I got to give it credit, though, because it does end with Harry, Ron, and Hermione holding hands on the destroyed bridge of Hogwarts. And the soundtrack plays. That was stunning. That was great to see. Uh, the epilogue, I thought, was done really well. Um, except for, I mean, he didn't mention that kind of full circle moment. But Ron got fat as fuck. Just throwing that out there. Did you see? He's gained, like, 60 pounds. He was the only one. Like, Emma Watson looked great with the CGI. Uh, Harry looked great. No problems with that. But Ron, man, he looked like uh, Thor. After he was drinking all those creature comforts, <laughs> you know, he was be- he was talking to Noob 57 or whoever the fuck he's been playing those video games. <laughs> That's what he was doing, man. He played Harry Potter, Sorcerer's Stone all the way through Deathly Hollows on the PlayStation 4 a couple times. Damn, he got fat. But that's okay, you know. I'm sure, you know, once you get the girl, once you get one of the greatest people of all time, it's acceptable. I'm fine with it. 
but I thought it was a great full circle moment with those with those three once again soundtrack plays it was emotionally powerful I did like the fact you could see the chocolate frog that was another full circle moment from the film from Sorcerer's Stone that was on the window that was cool when Albus Severus Potter gets in there with his friends uh and you know it's sad to see it in but um you know things could have been better <laughs> but uh it was uh it was it was a great ending scene so I'll leave it at that uh but yeah man and that's all my differences yeah and this guys is exactly why we need to do another episode to kind of like you know finish it because we don't want to leave off on us just tearing apart the the film like that. we don't want the last <laughs> things you hear from chase and josh factor fantasy about harry potter to talk about how much the film sucked so uh next week we will be tackling our rankings of the great stuff things that we found i'm not going to tell you what we're going to rank but uh, we've got uh quite a few things that we'll think you're going to find really really interesting and maybe you can relate and think of your own lists of things to rank once we kind of give ours like i said won't give anything away but before anything else we got to give our ranking on a one to ten of the book and of the film so I'll go ahead and I'll start with giving my ranking of the novel. I gave this book a 9.6 out of 10. What did you give the book? Yeah, I mean, there was a few, maybe a few, like, <clears throat> what if kind of plot holes, but I thought it was fantastic. Uh, I thought it was excellent. I mean, it's action-packed. From the beginning to end, everything bridges together, full circle. You find out everything. Um, it has the emotionally impactful moments. Uh, there's really not a dull moment in this book at all. I mean, there was parts I was reading it at three in the morning days, and I just couldn't put it down. Uh, I'll, I'll give it. I like to be generous, so I'll give it a nine point seven. <laughs> just uh, not to one up you or anything, but I think that's fair because <laughs> I'm the generous one. I try to be generous. So 9.7, but it was it was practically flawless. Like it was an excellent, fantastic book in my opinion. Never had I haven't had a problem with any of the books, honestly. Like I haven't had a problem with any of the books. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was good. So my ranking of the film on a scale of one to ten, gonna go ahead and give it the old 5.1. Can I give it the old 5.1 oh, there? So oh, it just it just low, fell man. short on way too many. Like this was your job is to close out the series as <laughs> accurately as a portrayal as you can to the novels. You took way too many liberties. You left way too many shit out. And like Chase said, and I, I didn't even come up with this. This was Chase's own words, and I couldn't agree more. The most of the second part of that film was a whole different story than Harry Potter. I don't know what they were, what like what the movie was about, <laughs> but it certainly wasn't Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. I'll tell you that. Uh, so that being said, I'm giving this uh, film a 5.1 out of 10, and that's what I'm saying, and I'm sticking to it. Damn, that was brutal. <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, it didn't even get a good failing grade. Like it straight up no. failed, man. Um, <sighs> uh, you know what's sad too is there were moments like visually there were moments visually i thought it was great like visually i thought it was great i gotta give the actors props because i thought the actors did really well you can definitely see how the actors have grown over the years i thought you know as kids they could have had some help with acting but they were phenomenal in this film they've definitely grown i thought um the actors did great uh the problem is 
you start fucking up shit like the entire climax or the resolution, the battle scene that's there, the entire way also Nagini is killed. Like, I have no problem with the way it looked, but it's just like major moments that you entirely fuck up or even like moments. My problem when I have a big problem and, you know, it takes a lot for me to have a problem. Like, I'm a big-ass fan of the John Wick films. Like, I fucking love John I probably rank John Wick 10. And I, I like, because I like shit like that. Because I don't mind it not being so fucking serious. But, like, when you're fucking up shit that fucks up the entire storyline that causes plot holes, like, that's when I have a major fucking problem. Like, you can, that, in the words of Tyrion Lannister, we have a very forgiving queen, but this this cannot be forgiven. <laughs> this cannot be forgiven. It was trash. Fucking atrocious. Damn. And, you know, I wanted to be generous, but I almost want to rank it less. I'm going to be generous because I like the cool moment with Aberforth when the Dementors were thrown off, and it really kind of showed his character. I didn't like that it wasn't corporeal. I did like the fact they tried to help Luna out and give her a little bit more knowledge, even though it kind of fucked up the whole idea. Um, I did like being able to see the skeleton of the basilisk. I thought that was full circle. And I did like, you know, where Ron and uh, Hermione had their moment in the Chamber of Secrets. Like, we were all building up. And I like the visuals of kind of like the mummy sort of thing. I can go with it. I think it's kind of cool. Um, but overall, like the writing was trash. I would pick season eight over this any day, and that's saying something. What about you? Would you pick season eight of Game of Thrones over this? <laughs> uh, not knowing how it plays out <laughs> in, in the novels yet, because we're only up into what uh, we haven't gotten Winds of Winter yet. We've only got up through Dance with Dragons. If I'm going to take it at face value for it is now, yeah, I'd probably I'd probably take season eight of Game of Thrones over this. But again, with that, I want making money. No, like that's with the caveat of not knowing how this book series ends yet, since those books haven't been released. So, that's but just as of today, to here we stand. Subject is. to change, I probably would take season eight Game of Thrones over this Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows Part Two nonsense. I'm just saying, yeah, strictly that season eight films, or the season eight television show versus this one film, like books out of it entirely. Well, here's the thing: I, the reason why I bring that up, I have to put the books into it because the books are what draws the storyline. What where the movies take the storyline from, and so that's why, like, I, I have such a problem with these these films in the Harry Potter series because they screw up <laughs> the plot line that is built throughout the story in the novels. Which you know, that's why I kind of bring up the same thing in Game of Thrones. As of right now, here we stand. There is no novels to back up what Game of Thrones did or didn't do in season eight. Who knows? Maybe yeah. the novels will, will be written exactly the way Game of Thrones was. And if they are, then we've got to give season eight credit. But like, I don't You're believe right. they will. I think it's yeah. a terrible way to write it. So mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like as like I said, as I stand here yeah. today, subject to change, I would take season eight Game of Thrones uh, over Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows Part Two. Yeah. Three. My point is, it wasn't good. So. Uh, but I'm going to be generous. I gave it a 75 because I really like the visuals. Like, I like the Quidditch Stadium burning. I thought that was a good ad. I was good. <laughs> Not going to eat with you because it'll only make me mad. <laughs> but I thought <laughs> the visuals were good. So I'm going to be generous. I gave it a 75, which is a C rating. Malice in the Chalice, though, because I don't want to end on a bad note on the films. I want you to say okay. your top five favorite actors in the film. Like, your favorite actors in this film alone 
Like, who do you think did a good job acting? Top five actors in this film. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> like, a great is question. there any? <laughs> uh, no, no, the acting was fine. So I'm just trying to put them in my head in a ranked order. Uh, in mm-hmm. this film, see, like, I think if we're going to talk about the film series as a whole, it'd be a lot different. But for just from this film itself, it's yeah, tough because, like, I like to put. We'll get into uh, films next week. Yeah, sure, sure. And I like to put in like Hell in the Bottom Carter and stuff, but she didn't have a lot of really a lot of screen time on this film, so I can't put her in it. So yeah, I would probably right. say like, uh, I think number one, Neville. Probably he had a lot of big moments. He got to have that big speech against Voldemort, so he'll probably take the top spot. Uh, mm-hmm. I, again, I, I apologize. I don't know a lot of the uh, supporting actors' names. So, uh, but whoever plays Neville Longbottom would take my number one spot in the film of the actors. Uh, the number two spot, I'll actually probably give to Professor McGonagall, whoever plays Professor McGonagall, because I thought she had a cool duel with Snape. She yeah, broke character, her being stern and serious about, like, I've always wanted to use that spell. So I'll give <laughs> uh, her, the, you know, her the second spot on that. Uh, I never, you know, I don't like what the series of the, the the film series does to her character, but I will say everything they've asked her to do, she portrays very well. I'll go ahead and give uh, Hermione Granger, Emma Watson, the third spot in this film. Uh, from there, number four, it's kind of funny. Uh, I just like how he's grumpy and cantankerous, but I'll give Aberforth the fourth spot. Yeah. I liked I liked Aberforth's little character I right there. It. I liked it. And then uh, the last one, the fifth spot, I will give to. Hmm. This is tough. This is tough. The uh. Man. I will give the fifth spot to Alan Rickman, Severus Snape. Yeah, uh, fuck he, yeah. He I love what I'm talking about. So let me go ahead and give him <laughs> from the top one more time. Number one, Neville Longbottom. Number two, Professor McGonagall. Number three, Hermione Granger. Number four, Aberforth. Number five, uh, Severus Snape. I only know three of the uh, actors' names. That's like uh, you know, Hermione Granger is Emma Watson and Alan Rickman is Severus Snape. I don't know. I actually guess I only know two of my five their act, actor and actresses' names, but those are the list as it goes, uh, one through five. What about you? What is your list of one through five on actors in this film specifically? Alan Rickman, Alan Rickman, Alan Rickman. <laughs> just Alan Rickman, I put number one, of course. Severus name. It's basically, you know, Alan Rickman, Alan Rickman, Alan Rickman, Alan Rickman, Alan Rickman. <laughs> but uh, no, I put Alan Rickman number one. Uh, Emma Watson, number two. <laughs> you know, like, There's I'm no saying. bias here, I see. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these two have been with me from the beginning. I mean, their character's just phenomenal. They're absolutely great. <laughs> Everyone else is trash. <laughs> Fuck it, man. No, okay. Okay, Alan Rickman, number one. <laughs> Emma Watson, number two. <laughs> I am going with him and Watson number two. Everyone else can suck it. Um, I will say I liked him. You know, Aberforth number three. I, I gotta apologize. I don't know his name, but I thought he did a good job. Like even though he didn't get to say a lot of the stuff I wanted in there, I thought he played a great Aberforth. I do think Albus, the guy that currently plays Albus in the film part we're at now, 
could have been a great Aberforth and uh, tribute. That was all Jay Nelly's idea, guys. But he definitely could. No credit taken from Jay Nelly. That was Jay Nelly's idea. Um, but yeah, I put Aberforth number three. It's so tough because I want to give Daniel Radcliffe credit. He did but, like I really can't. So like I guess like it, there's just not enough room for him. <laughs> It's just not enough room, and he's a good dude. But uh, Professor McGonagall, she's always great. I like her little quips in there. And then, uh, you know, that was... Uh, so we had Snape, Hermione, Aberforth, McGonagall, and then I got to go with Neville, just like you said. I'll give Daniel Radcliffe an honorable mention. I thought he did the Alan Rickman-Snape scene very well with the tear coming out. Uh, you kind of see the emotional there. I thought it was great the way he was about to go die. You kind of see the emotion there. But in the end, it was because it's Alan Rickman, man. <laughs> That's why he took number one for me. It was all about, it was all about Alan. So what's, yeah. What's really funny about Alan that, and Emma. Out of all the cast Crushed. and crew, we chose the same five just in different orders. That's really funny. So it <laughs> was great. It was excellent. Yeah, uh, awesome, man. Yeah, you want to close us uh, out today? I gave it a grade of a seventy-five. I'm going to yeah. be generous. That's yeah. a solid C. So that wasn't terrible. I didn't kill it. The visuals were amazing. Uh, a lot goes into that on visual teams. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but well, the writing's got some work. Yeah, I did fail it miserably. Give it a fifty-one. So <laughs> five point one out of ten. Yeah, fifty-one out of hundred. But regardless, guys, like I said, we're not going to end on a bad note. We're not going to leave this here today. Next week, catch us for the premiere of our rankings episode, where we will close out our season of Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. We've got a lot of fun stuff for that. I cannot wait to give it to you. I put a lot of thought, a lot of arguments into it. You're going to see some vintage Chase and Josh next week as we. Uh, whittle down the finality of Harry Potter series. You won't hear uh, really much about Harry Potter from us unless they, like we said before, if they miraculously come up with some amazing new thing where they'll do like a HBO live series, you know, maybe a couple years down the road. Maybe we can break back in into the Harry Potter universe. But, you know, as of today, we kind of closed out everything that you're going to find in terms of contents of the novels, contents of the films. It's all over. There's nothing new of Harry Potter only thing that we've got left to give you is our final takeaways next week on where we rank a lot of different areas and aspects of the novel series and then one part of the film series. I won't go ahead and give anything away, and we want you guys to be surprised. So uh, we hope you really enjoyed today's Differences episode. We enjoyed giving it to you. As always, thank you for your support throughout this year and a half in our first season of Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. If you're joining us for the first time today, welcome. If you have been here since day one, we are so glad to have you. We're very, very lucky to have such loyal, a loyal fan base and people who really care about the content we put out. So if you can, if you haven't already, go ahead and cast a spell on that subscribe button. Write us a review. We've got a bunch of reviews on Apple Podcasts, and they are all fantastic thanks to you guys. Uh, you can find us if you're looking to follow us on social media. You can find us at Official Ridiculous Patronus on Instagram. You can find us on our uh, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy is our Facebook fan page we have our own website we have uh we just got so much we got a tiktok going on now chase has been putting fantastic content out almost like like three times a week i'll get notifications that we got a new tiktok uh out there on that <laughs> platform chase put a pinterest on there that he's going to link to the instagram so you guys will be able to check that out as well uh, you know anywhere you get your podcast you can listen to us if you got 
an iPhone, check us out on Apple Podcasts. If you got an Android, check us out on Google Play. If you got anything at all, find us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube. Find us on our host site, Podbean. They've been amazing to us throughout our first year and a half here, giving you uh, this fantasy fiction world that we break down and present in the format that we do. So that being said, I'll go ahead and turn it over to Chase for him to give some final words, and we'll get out of here hair slash hairy as we <laughs> made a joke earlier Get out of your hair. <laughs> uh, go ahead and uh, turn it over to chase and let him say his piece and like i said we'll wrap up yeah man and uh guys when jay nelly says that don't worry if you ask us a question about harry potter we're not gonna act like he's dead he's still alive so we're still gonna acknowledge <laughs> your question just uh it is kind of sad i think the next next week you know that's gonna be sad because that's really when we're wrapping it up here you know there's no new content anymore uh from harry potter unless they take our advice make an hbo (laughs) series like they should uh you know we'll kind of reference it probably i'm sure if someone throws a malice in the chalice every now and then because this is a big part of our lives that's part of it like game of thrones like you won't ever hear you know us talk about new content with Daenerys or I can't ever say your name right Danny <laughs> that's why I just stick to the Danny part <laughs> but you'll see you still hear us reference it because like you know these big arcs like this they are a big part of our life just like y'all are a big part of our life that's been with us since October you know point parents Harry's parents died that week to the point of you know next week it's Harry's birthday so it's a pretty awesome full circle moment for us uh, not even just in the books, but now the full season here, and it's wrapping up our entire season next week. Um, Jay Nelly always says it best, you know, write us a review, um, follow us and hit that subscribe button. You can follow us everywhere on our Instagrams, uh, rbrow129 personal, Jay Nelly83, his personal official Ridiculous Patronus. Uh, Jay Nelly hit all the platforms there. Um I'll say it, you know, because we got only two more times really to say this uh, for a good minute. Um, Don't worry, hint, hint, we're going to be coming back (laughs) at some point. We will be coming back. Uh, Josh and I, even though it opens at the close, we're not dead either. (laughs) We come back to life at some point. Um, But I will say you guys are the shields that guard the realms of fantasy and every review you leave every comment you make, every email, every even tag, like DM message that we get, even though we get all, we got, we get a lot of DMs, but we do see all of those. And it really does mean a lot to us, even all the comments you make. So once again, guys, thank you for everything. Uh, we're about to get out of here, Harry. <laughs> get out of your Harry. Uh, we're not taking off to the bathroom like Ron and Hermione. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, it's only been two and a half hours. It's been a pretty good one, but we're not leaving you there yet. We got one more ride. The train's off the rails, uh, but it's okay. We're not going to crash. We're going to end on a good note going next week. Jane Ellie, I'll let you sign us off. Sounds good, man. Like you said, like we only really have today and next week of where we can really talk about, you know, not just Harry Potter, but our first season as a whole. And like you said, we will be returning. Uh, we do have a season two, so there's going to be a two-week waiting period between the last episode of season one before we open up into season two. We'll talk about that more next week as well. We've got great stuff waiting for you in the wings for for season two, but we've we've got to get through season one first. We've got an amazing rankings episode for you next week. We're looking forward to having you there. Thanks for sticking with us today, but we're out of here because you know this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh, 
Factor Fantasy. Signing off.